and welcome back to One on One with Brian Mitchell. Today I am joined by a man I christened The Beast. A lifelong Sega enthusiast and an overall great guy. Welcome to the show, Duncan. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It feels it's a matter of time. <laughs> it's about time, damn time I did in our one of these. You've been on the top of the list. Now I got you here. I'm a lister. Well, after all the other listers got hit before me. <laughs> <laughs> Took a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so let's get down to brass tacks with the classic first question I always ask everyone that comes on here. How did we meet? I can't remember when I actually started, like, I know we, we I, I started seeing you at club. Yep. At the, at the local anime club in the city here. Yep. I knew you. You had. You already kind of. You. You were brought in with a click. I think you, at that time you were hanging Me, out with Me, Lindsay, Tanner, and probably Colton. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I think it was Colton was the linchpin because I started hanging out with uh, with Colton playing magic, going going out halfway through club and playing magic with him. Yep. Now they also go out there and hang out. Yeah. It's that that outdoor crew. <laughs> I think yeah. It was only a matter of time before. Just randomly converse, uh, having conversations like, hey, yeah, no, we click. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And I believe, was it one in, or did we, were we both at an anime-thon where we just started hanging out? I can't remember if it was I f- before or after that. It was definitely at anime-thon, uh, I think 22... Maybe. Because I, I, I remember, I remember we were. It, it was when we were in the, in the in the in one of the big rooms uh, with everyone, and I think I showed you uh, one of those uh, like to be continued videos. Oh, yes, and it was on like how how it feels to chew five gun gum. <laughs> it's the guy like jumping off and like. Just crushing his nuts on a giant, like, metal thing? (laughs) I know the exact way. He jumps on the one that has that, supposed to have that yellow guard on it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget that video, because the noise he makes is like, It's like his his soul. (laughs) I remember we were just dying, laughing. It was like... What two in the morning? Yeah, and everyone's like, "Gosh, shut, shut up, up. be quiet." Like, <laughs> we're just trying to stifle our laughter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I knew it was one of the anime thons because kind of, I've kind of made it a tradition to spend time with every person of club who goes there. Because sidetrack, when I first went to with club to anime thon in Edmonton. There was there was groups of people that felt left out because it was kind of clicky. I don't blame Anime Club for being clicky, but that's this yeah. is the way it's going to be. When you join a club, you're gonna you, you have people you mesh with. You're, you're going to orbit around those who you feel most comfortable with, and um, the unfortunate truth is that some people are going to be left as little, mere mere little asteroids circling the solar system. Yeah, looking for a place to fit in. So that's where I come by, and I'm like, I'm the comet. I am the shining star. <laughs> I come and it's like, how's it going? I'm going to hang out with you a little bit. And I just kind of spread the love to everybody. That makes sure everyone has a good time. And yeah, it, it, it came down to that point. After we had that night where we were just watching memes and shit. Like, <laughs> awesome. This is great. Uh, but yeah, you're, you, you're definitely a very welcoming person. Yeah. As like, every, I don't know anyone who 
who has said a bad thing about you. Uh, you have a great who character. Who isn't already six feet under. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, get, I, I just thought of this question because you brought it up. Uh, when did you join Anime Club then? Oh, no. It's been, oh, don't oh, do that. Oh no. no one heard that. <laughs> I'm not going to look at Facebook to try to figure this out. Okay, so I could probably do this in my head. Uh, I would say at least eight years ago. I know that Anime Club has been, had been running about maybe like two or three years before me and Madison arrived. And it was, yeah, it was due to the two of us going. I think, yeah, at the time she didn't have her own vehicle yet. So I drove the two of us down there. And then we, we just, we would do it every Tuesday and Friday. Back then my schedule was a lot more open. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I showed up every dang time. Because I know at that time I still had my main card group. I, I, at that time I was playing card games a lot. Mostly Yu-Gi-Oh. But during the Saturday, Saturdays were our day. So Fridays and, and Tuesdays were completely open. So I was like, you know what? I need a circle of friends outside those card groups because that's when the drama started happening in my card oh, game group. Okay. I won't get into that. That's a whole yeah, it's, it's a whole other thing. Don't but, need to get that personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, joined Anime Club like at least I'm going to say eight years. Could be longer, give or take. Okay, okay. Uh, and how about how about we go into uh, your. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's an obsession, but uh, your love of card games. How? So my first question is: How much money do you, do you think you have spent on fancy cardboard? <laughs> how much I shouldn't have? Oh, there's a, there's a couple times where I shouldn't. I've spent irresponsibly spend money on cards when I should have went to uh, like bills and stuff when I was living at home. Um, but if I had to say. We started like, some sort like of dollar figure. If we take all the card games, oh, I spent a lot on Digimon. Oh, that's... <laughs> okay, so for those who don't know, Riggin Digimon they was one of the few games. games. Yeah, they had a card game, but they 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 made it so potentially every card in each of the sets can be holographic. So even the commons. So back then, I wasn't so much into the playing the card game aspect, but in the collecting, collecting. aspect yeah. of the card game. And oh my god, did I just shovel money to the local Toys R Us? It's like I want these. Digital I want packs. this hollow Vmon, man. <laughs> I need it. I have dozens of the freaking non hollows, but I need a hollow one. <laughs> okay, so to the question though, I've probably at least spent like. Ten thousand dollars on cards. Whoo! Damn. Some of the big moments were when the Yu-Gi-Oh when they transitioned their season from the original classic Yu-Gi-Oh and they moved to the Yu-Gi-Oh GX and introduced mm, the okay. the elemental hero archetype. I was totally you, on board. You jumped on I that. Like this. I love this. The first set that had them, I bought two boxes of booster packs. That set me back like $200 right there. And then there was one other time where I bought this other guy's Yu-Gi-Oh! Me and my friend Skull pooled our money together and bought this guy's collection. Because he, he decided to quit. And my share was like 400 bucks. I think off the top of my head, those were the two like big one-time like, purchases. Like just 
dump yeah. on one thing. Other than that, like every other time is like here's ten or twenty dollars. I'm buying a couple packs. Just little acu- yeah. uh, acquiring of. I don't know my words right now. <laughs> uh, little acquisitions. Yes. This would be that a- rack up over time when you really look at it, like. Shit, that, that was like three hundred dollars. Oh, I look back that's at those, horrible. and I'm starting to regret some of those purchases. <laughs> oh, but hey, that's that's in the past. That's ten k <laughs> in cardboard investment. You know what? It's fine, and it, all that really matters is where you at least enjoying. Oh yeah, playing it. So what what got you into card games? It started with Pokemon. That was always I, starts with Pokemon. <laughs> I was I was a prime age demographic when that became big in in Canada. I was like grade four or five. And yeah, that was like ninety six. Yeah, that at least the games came out. I assume the cards came yeah. out not that long after, like ninety seven yeah. or something. I was first introduced to Pokemon via the card game. I didn't even know Pokemon existed until my friends like, "Hey, take a look at these Pokemon cards." It's like awesome, and that was my first time I went to the local copy shop that was in the city and at that time there was only one well comic Grave was over in like in the south end of the city i never went there i didn't have a car i lived in the west end mm-hmm. so i didn't even know it existed internet didn't exist so i couldn't just look it up so all i knew is that the one there's tramps downtown that was my first time i went down there and i started going there regularly because they had a pokemon league okay it's like what did i first buy i bought oh what how many start? Did they only had the one starter deck? I think they or they had one or they, two. They had two starter decks, I believe. Yeah. I can't remember which one I bought, but I bought a starter deck and like a pack, and that's where it started. It started then, and I didn't. I was too young to understand the rules, <laughs> so I just a little used complex, rules. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the next game I went into Digimon was even more complex. I didn't oh, even touch boy. that. Oh, I boy. tried. I think me, and my, I remember me and my sister had cards, yeah. Digimon cards, and we didn't know how to fuck to play them. You needed a sp- there was a se- completely separate like little spin dial for like we never had stuff. That. Yeah, you had to we buy a starter had... deck to get the spin dial and everything for it. It was ridiculous. But yeah, those two card games, it was just pure. It it it, was, it, beca- it started as a transition. Pokemon, it was purely collecting. Digimon, I tried. I was getting older, so I tried, tried to play game. games with with the cards, but I was still collecting them. And then the next leap was to Yu-Gi-Oh, and I just completely abandoned collecting. It's like this is a good game. I like playing it. I have a, I've I've found a circle of friends who I really like, and it's all we do together. So that's what kept me playing Yu-Gi-Oh. So I think I've asked this question before on uh, SFP, but I want to ask it here. How the fuck do you play Yu-Gi-Oh? How does it work? <laughs> I can't tell you how it works now because I've been out of it and they how, made a big how's chain it work, change. How did it work back in the day then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So a lot of people get confused because the actual card game differs from how they play in the Yu-Gi-Oh series. I mean, they also cheat. <laughs> yeah. I know that for a fact. They cheat a whole lot in the anime. <laughs> So, the easiest way to summarize it is it is a life, a life point total. You're each given 8,000, which sounds like a lot, but a lot of the creatures that you play have usually the thousand. You're, you're usually dealing with the thousands in attack power as an average. Um, 
you draw you draw opening hand like most card games. Yeah. Your goal is to play monsters. Uh, all monsters are going to have summoning sickness, which means they can't be they can't attack the turn they're played. Or oh, is that right with Yu-Gi-Oh? Or Mike? Oh, it's been a while. I think you can't attack. Or is that the first? Okay, disregard that part. I, can't, I think uh, Yu-Gi-Oh might be the the, the exception with the. Um, it doesn't like I know you can play stuff in attack mode and defense mode. Yeah, yeah, you have a choice. Or face down. Yeah, you can choose to, to place it face down in defense, which means it can't attack, or you can be face up and attack. As long as you have monsters, your opponent cannot attack you directly. So the goal is to clear your opponent's field of monsters so you can attack them. But there is also magic cards, trap cards, and there's variations of those matching trap cards. But I won't get into that. It's a whole other spell cards. Too. Yeah, like field. Yeah, field spells. Mm. Oh yeah, I keep on forgetting. They changed it to spells because they, they were originally called magic cards, but then there was a dispute because Magic yeah. the Gathering, and, so and they changed it to spells. Yeah, so essentially it's it's a game where you fight your monsters against your opponent's monsters, and you're, it's a game of overpowering your opponent. And that's so, the simplest way I can put it. And then they started implementing a lot of various... Like with most card games that last for an extended period of time, like Magic the Gathering, they started throwing in new mechanics... Um, there's fusions, rituals, synchros, axes, and links, and a lot pendulums. of stuff gets banned because oh. they're super good. Like Monster Reborn was banned, right? Yeah, in competitive at least. And I'm just gonna mute my phone for <laughs> yeah, because that that's such a good card. It's a free like revival of something that's in your graveyard. Oh yeah, and it just it's for nothing. There's, there was no downside to the card. Oh, yeah. And then when they started making new cards, they realized, like, this card is going to impact some of our new ideas. Because there's a whole entire archetype that was based off, I play this creature. Playing this creature causes me to discard cards off the top of my deck. Oh, hey, there's cards in my deck that will trigger if they're discarded off the top of my deck. It's graveyard oh, play. Yeah. Now I've got tons of monsters in my graveyard. Hey, I'm going to monster reborn that Judgment Dragon. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about now, I just said Judgment Dragon. Yes, I'm talking about Light Swarms. For those who know what I'm talking about. Well, that's a lie. You can't... I can't. I'm going to look bad. Somebody's probably going to call me out on that. Listen, I can't, I listen how, how long has it been summoned. since you last played Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> like, in a competitive one-on-one okay. -on -one match. Competitive? For probably five years. I've been sitting on my cards. I've been collecting dust. I do know a few people who are interested in taking you on. Then that being yeah, Austin, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to bring out some of my decks for game next game night. I know he is huge on Yu-Gi-Oh. So I'll just bring. I'm just going to show everybody what I got. I've got boxes of stuff just sitting because with my old circle of friends, um, we started a communal bank because a lot of us would just pour a bunch of money I, like I, I did once or twice I'd buy a box or two but like people would buy boxes and when, when you're talking about a box a box has 24 boosters in it the Yu-Gi-Oh packs unless correct me if I'm wrong but I think there are nine cards a pack so 24 times nine and out of those cards there's usually two, uh, there's one rare, and, and sometimes there's, if there's anything higher than a rare, you'll still get the rare card in the pack, but then you get a super rare. So there's going to be a ton of commons left over. Yeah. And a lot of people's like, I don't want these, I'm done with them. And like, people's like, alright, no, we're going to keep a hold of them, because we never know how the meta changes. 
You never know when all you, of a sudden you never it's know. Like, yeah. It's like, oh shit, foolish burial's good. I need that common. It's like, where'd it go? It's like, um, we're stockpiling. We got plenty. <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna ask you. So, besides like Yu Gi Oh and uh, MTG. Uh, what are some other card games that you've dabbled in? Also, besides Pokemon, because you brought that up too. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a question I want to ask before that. Actually, is did Pokemon did Pokemon cards get banned at your school? Yes, for a brief period of time, because there was a form of uh, battling that a lot of kids did as a means to acquire cards. <laughs> I think we even just called it street street fights. Street fight. So essentially, um, for those who know how the game uh, traditionally works, is you play the you play the Pokemon, you attach energy to it sufficient enough so they can use their moves. But in a street fight, we choose one Pokemon and we fight the other opponent's Pokemon. We choose which one we want to to use against our opponent. and We flip a coin, and we call it. If you call it right, the, the attack hits. If you call it wrong, it misses, and it just goes back and forth until one one of the other Pokemon dies, and then whoever loses hands over their Pokemon. This, of course. <laughs> caused a kerfuffle especially with me there was a there was a time where i fought this kid who was using his straight up just trouncing people with his charizard because he was showing off that he has a charizard it's like that fire spin man i'll 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 use my ghastly and i just like hit or hit hit it's like he just needs to land one hit on me and ghastly's done but he's just going, miss, miss, miss. I'm going, hit, hit, hit. I win! I want that Charizard! The kid just like... Nope. <laughs> Absolute scumbag. You earned that Charizard and you didn't get it. That no. Is, that I won't forget that. Up. I can't remember the kid in particular, but I remember that situation. I was, I was a salty sailor. <laughs> Duncan's coming for that Charizard. <laughs> Rent's due! <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I got, I got, I got my hands on one eventually. Okay, all right. I still own it. Uh, but yeah, like besides like Pokemon, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh and MTG, which we'll get into MTG in a little bit. Uh, what other card games have you dabbled in? Ooh, what's the name of it? It, you know, we we've had a high hopes for this card game. Um, I just gotta look it up. Universal Fighting System. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this. So, it was a really this. good idea, but the company, this this was the company's first attempt at a card game, and they had a couple, it was a, it was a bumpy start. Uh, I'm only, I'm only looking this up right now because I heard from a friend, like, a year or two ago that they started coming back, which would be cool. Oh, is I think it owned by a different game company now. Jasco Games, but essentially what it is is when they first started out, they acquired two um, I uh, two properties. They they acquired the properties for Soul Calibur and Street Fighter. So the card game was you you pl- you chose an avatar, which you chose a fighter, and that fighter would have you three symbols. And I think the game um, consisted of nine. Seven to nine different symbols, and they they to go under like categories like chaotic or physical or stuff like that. Yeah. 
So uh, whoever, based on who you choose as your fighter, you can only play cards of those types. Okay. So it was interesting. It was an interesting mechanic. A lot of the cards considered consisted of signature moves from each of those so, fighting games. So it's kind of like commander in a sense. Like you have your commander. Yeah, it and... worked as a commander. Yeah. Okay. Essentially, except for the fact that you don't throw them onto the board. They yeah. just. And of course, each character will have their own like special rules. So that, like that, that assist them example, in the game. like Mega Man or something. Um. So I am looking at here, and they did license like Mega Man, KOF, KOF thirteen, Darkstalkers. Yeah, Darkstalkers. That was one. Yeah. God dang, I might have to get back into this. Yeah, Mega Man: Rise of the Masters. Damn. Um. It took a while. Eventually, over time, they acquired King of Fighters, Darkstalkers, Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> Mortal Kombat, Shit. Tekken 6, Warhammer Online. I gotta call up some of my friends and see if they were aware of this. <laughs> Penny Arcade, too? Yeah, I remember the, the Penny Arcade came out with a special uh, two-player deck. There was a Tycho deck, and um, Gabe was the other character? I can't remember the other main character's name, but yeah. There was a deck for each of them. There was the card, the card, the cardboard samurai. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so essentially, like abilities, like Sagat, um, Sagat had an ability that that made his. I think it helped. It, it was it made it so his um, tiger strike or like tiger knee. His normal abilities would act like throws, and in order to tell you what that means, is throw was a subcategory of a card. Where a throw will still do half damage even if it's blocked, or if you try to block it and stuff like that. Yeah. So essentially, Sagat was like he can turn any of his attacks and make it so you're still taking half damage. That's pretty good. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what the ability was for one of the original Sagat cards. But yeah, I, me and my friends had a lot of fun playing that game. I think I still have my old deck. It's. Uh, DJ from Street Fighter. Okay. And he was a, his was a kick deck, and I think his uh, I have to bring. I had a real fun out of that deck. I think he's like if you land a kick, you could play another kick in your hand, and it just started a train of kicks. Oh god, just wombo combo. Yeah. I gotta double check this. <laughs> I really liked it. It was one of my favorite decks. Uh, while you look that up, I'll ask oh, yeah, you. Sure. Uh, so, how how did you get into magic, though? Or like, when did you get into it? I tried a couple years into playing Yu-Gi-Oh because that's when my friends started bringing in more friends who came in from different card games. Our one friend, we got to come in he when we first met him he was playing the Inuyasha card game <laughs> and he totally got into Yu-Gi-Oh and he totally got meta like right away and started schooling a lot of us older players <laughs> um yeah so at one point in time I decided like you know what I'm gonna make a deck for magic so I can play my friend who has who's been playing magic for a while and at first I just started buying packs that I liked I've, I've had a nice like either a water I was looking for a water aesthetic for merfolks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But then I saw, like, the Cold Snap deck and, like, a series and stuff that was based off Icelands and shit. It's like, yeah, I'm into that. I started building, buying a couple packs from there. 
And I bought some of the most recent packs at the time, which I can't remember what the names of the pack were. But up until this point, I've been collecting card games that basically tell me the rarity of the card based if it's hollow or not. Yeah. Magic's not like that. No. So, unbeknownst to me, one of the first packs I bought, I pulled, like, one of the most badass cards in that set, and I didn't know. It's like, oh, it's not hollow, whatever. Thank God I didn't trade it until a friend of mine told me it was worth something. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, what was it? It was Phage the Untouchable. Okay. She was basically a double-edged sword, essentially. Is when you pay, played her, if she deals damage to your opponent in any way, shape, or form, you win the game. If she, however, winds up doing damage to you by any means, you die. You lose. Oh. So, it was, yeah, it was, it was a risky card to play. But, yeah, I played a little bit, and then I kind of dropped it for a while. And then... And yeah, I think five years ago again, like uh, I, I picked it back up. When I was Card games came again. back five years ago. Apparently. Yeah, I came back during. It was a really I really liked that block of Magic the Gathering. It was the Innistrad block because in that fate that block they had really a bunch of like occult type cards. So there was like Wolverines, vampires, and stuff like that. And there was an interesting mechanic where card there there the cards were double faced. So oh, it didn't okay. have the original oh, yeah. back. So they had the moon phase, or like a day phase and a moon phase, and they had different abilities. So a lot of them were just like humans that would transform into werewolves. Yeah. Or like humans that would transform into werewolves. Vampires, vampires or something. In the sort. I really liked it, and I played for a while there, and then that's when I met Colton and a couple others, and I kept on playing. And now I just have the two decks that I haven't really changed. Oh, two decks and a commander deck. The old reliables. Yeah. At this point in time, I, I make sure that I have at least one deck for every card game that I know my friends are playing. So that way, if anybody feels like, hey, you know what? I want to play more of this. It's like, I got you, bro. I can play you. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, was your, what was your preferred color in uh, Magic, then? White. White? I liked human. I like making human, tribal human decks. Or if you don't know the term, tribal means like your deck... Not 100%, but it focused on a particular um, category of creature. So yeah, I, I love making human decks because they were usually spam the board with a bunch of weak guys and just overwhelm your opponent. Okay. My, my, probably still one of my favorite decks I have running. It was a green-white deck that just ran a bunch of humans. But there was also, what was it? I think it was Champion of the Meek. But essentially, when you played him, and every time you played a, a human, he would get plus one, plus one. Okay. So he just became ridiculously strong. Because there's another card, I think it was called like something Reinforcements, that just shat a bunch of humans on the board. What was your favorite win or loss? Because either of those can lead to some really great outcomes, or hilarious things, <laughs> or just hype moments. That you have ever occurred, or even saw? Um, probably one of my favorite. I, I would consider this a win. Is that um, my friends peer pressured me. My uh, friends Brandon and Colby wanted to go to Winnipeg for a local Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. Okay. And uh, they eventually convinced me. It's like, okay, I don't really. I, I haven't been keeping up with the meta right now. I've just been sticking to old favorite decks. Because for a while I started not playing, caring too much about the meta. I never really 
did with Yu-Gi-Oh! I was playing decks that were fun. Eventually, I started gathering a little bit of a nickname. I might have started it myself, but I liked it nonetheless. I called myself Theme Park Duncan because I like sticking to a theme. Ah, okay. Um, so anyways, I decided, I, I finally caved, like, fine, I'll go. Little did I know it was because people, they, they, they wanted me to drive down there. So, uh, that was a fun ride. That was fun in itself because we decided we didn't want to pay money for a hotel. So we decided to drive down to Winnipeg at, like, 2 in the morning. Just so then by the time we get there, we can settle, go to the, t- the tournament, then drive back the same day. Oh. That was fun. Oh, wow, that's gnarly. <laughs> I napped a we napped a lot. <laughs> or at least I know I, I napped a little bit in like the McDonald's parking lot for a little bit. Um, but no, anyways, getting to the point. Since I decided that I was going to go to this thing, it's like I decided the net deck. Which meant I went online to take a look at what was popular and what I could build with what cards I had. And at the time, I couldn't make like the most uber deck. But I built something that I really like. Um, and to go back on... On, on it for this story is uh, to another part that I'm proud of in Yu-Gi-Oh is there was an archetype in Yu-Gi-Oh it was a small archetype it was once that they they came out with these little tadpoles and then these things called D period E period S period frog or Des frog I, I have no idea what that abbreviate the anagram meant but it didn't matter um, so the mechanic was the tadpoles if you played one, if it was destroyed by a battle and went sent to the graveyard, you could pull out the other two tadpoles from your deck. Or do you add them to your hand? Yeah, you add them to your hand, or you play them in the field. Regardless, it doesn't matter. But the reason you want the tadpoles in your deck is you want them in the graveyard, because when you summon at least one Dez Frog, its ability is you can summon as many from your hand or deck oh. at equal to the number of tadpoles in your graveyard. Ah. And the reason that this, this was good is there was a magic card or a spell card called Dez Croaking. That pretty much was a complete board wipe just for your opponent. You just board wipe their field. Is on the only requirement is that you have three dead frogs on the board. Fuck. And after a while, it was just those cards. I had fun playing that deck, but then uh, a couple sets later, they released a little bit more support for them. A couple other frogs that had the abilities like when you play this card, its name suddenly becomes dead frog, or if it's the graveyard, its name is considered dead frog. Ah, okay. But yeah, so anyways, when I was looking online, I was like, oh, hey, frog deck is actually pretty meta. And, but yeah, they're, oh, shoot, I'm jumping to the reason why I talked about the frogs. One of the other things I was proud of is I played that deck before it became meta. I was Ooh. playing it in the city and stuff, and people people knew me for it. I was like, oh, Duncan's playing frogs. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, Duncan, did you know, like, frogs are meta? It's like, what? I'm playing a meta deck? Awesome. You're on the pulse. <laughs> And then ever since, I just kind of, I, I kind of chose that as my piece to gloat about every so often. It's like, hey, I played that before it was meta. Just <laughs> <laughs> be the hipster of meta. Yeah. So anyways, um, there was an, a, a variation of that deck that used a different arc that splashed two archetypes together. They used frogs. But at the time, they considered it, they called it the frog engine, which essentially just set it set yourself up for easy tributes because of the, just the loop you can, you can, uh, you can do with one of the frog supports. Okay. You can basically fill out the or get a, two or three monsters on the board for easy tributes, and the reason that this was good is for this other um, the other archetype monarchs, where they were all primarily one tribute monsters, but they had pretty pretty good effects. But that was the deck I ran. 
we went down there. The other two friends were totally psyched for this because they're 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 aiming to get places get placed high, and they made sure they had enough sleep and everything. We went down there. My one friend Brandon placed like I don't think he even hit the top twenty. Oh, uh, did they drown in pools? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one, I think he was not far behind me. I think he was like twelfth, but I placed seventh. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't win the whole thing. I didn't get in the top five, but I got seventh. I beat both of them. Top with, ten. With just shooting the shit with a freaking frog deck that I like. <laughs> My one friend went with like a um, a variation on the elemental hero deck. You I think used Neos. But the problem was is people were playing that deck because it was a it was a counter to the most meta deck. Mm. He thought it's like, oh, I'll, I'll play the counter meta, and then he kept on fighting the exact. He kept on getting mirror matches. He, he fought duplicates of his deck because he wasn't the only one who thought this. <laughs> he he thought he was galaxy brain, but he was really just the tiny brain. It's like I'll just play the counter meta to the thing that's big. Yeah, not thinking anyone else would also do that. And I think my friend Colby brought Dark Worlds, and yeah. To, Getting too much into detail, getting into stuff people already didn't want to hear, but yeah, Dark Worlds was essentially their power was discarding cards from their hands. Because a lot of the creatures you could just easily get out by discarding them because they have the effect of oh, discard from your hand, summon it instead. Okay. Which was good at the time because there was a card that wasn't banned called Card Destruction, where they basically, basically all it is is like, discard both your hands, draw as many cards as you discarded. Oh. So essentially with Dark Worlds, it's like, okay, toss my hand. Here's Everything's board. on the field now. <laughs> Just dump it. But yeah, no, that was probably my biggest. <laughs> I got a laugh out of that. It's like, huh? I placed better than both of you. <laughs> okay, Ben. Uh, how about we move into the thing I want to ask you uh, immediately after, like the how we met. Uh, but you're known amongst our social circles for being quite a Sega guy. <laughs> you're a, you're the Sega guy. Yeah. So, how did you get into Sega? What what was uh, your gateway into the world of Sega? Oh, <laughs> uh, I won't forget that. I don't remember a lot of my, my childhood. Um, not that it was bad or anything. I think it's just a memory. You're thing just young. Time. But I do remember. Uh, I believe it was 1991 christmas it was shortly after sega the sega had already been out i think for a little bit but that was when they released they bundled sega or sonic uh the hedgehog one with, with the genesis with the, with the sega genesis so i got that for christmas Ooh. and of course I, it, well, I think the only spare tv we didn't get the at first we didn't hook it up to the tv in the living room but we set it up to the tv in my grandma's bedroom and i remember just sitting in there just eyes glossed over <laughs> that game i just played sonic oh, sonic one over and over excuse me over again and just over the time i just hooked on it and, and you know a lot of people back in those days and uh, you know my kind of i'd say low income middle range income kids usually only had choice of one console and that you, was it. you were either nintendo and nes or you were you were sega yeah. With the uh, Genesis. And usually the mentality went... The flowchart went, I own this costume, or console, it's the best. The console I don't, I don't have sucks. That one... <laughs> <laughs> it it, it was, was the console wars. Yeah. 
So since I had the Sega, I, it, it was it was like tradition. It had to be done. I had to hate so Super Nintendo back then. It's like I don't have it, so I hate it. <laughs> and then Sega you went better. and then you went over to one person's place and they had it and you played Mario. Oh yeah, I loved it. I didn't even get to play too much. I had a friend. I remember it. Oh, I I haven't seen him since. I don't think I saw him since I left elementary. His name was Dean, and he was like. I almost remember him as Cartman. He Cartman. He was <laughs> he was a fat little boy, and he got he would come over. He would let me and my brother come over and watch him play his Super Nintendo games. Uh. And he had a bunch. His mom would just buy him a new game after a new game, and we we were completely content going over there and watching him play games because we we're going to get these games. Oh yeah, yeah. O- occasionally he would let us play, but whenever we win, he'd get mad. He's like, "Go home. I'm I'm done." He's uh. like, "Fine." <laughs> so it was at that point we learned to kick his ass to the very end but then concede right at the very end and then me and my brother's like yeah we we, we essentially we whooped his ass we, but we let him win we actually <laughs> I mean oh, okay weird. so then there then there's a few questions about which games play better on uh, the consoles so like uh, I know there's always been a heated debate about Aladdin on between Genesis and uh, oh, what SNES? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I think I think the Genesis one had better music. Apparently, they had the licensed music. Okay. Okay. And um, but people like to counterpoint that because a lot of people don't like the sound chip that was in the Sega console. I, for one, you know, I grew up with it. I love. It's one of my favorite things about the Sega as a whole. I just love the music that came out of it. Mm-hmm. The Sonic games were amazing. Um, Streets of Rage had amazing music in it. Uh, well, some good examples. Shining Force had some... Shining Force, either one or two, had probably my favorite credit music. It just made you feel like you've completed a game. It was, it was very... Bombastic? Upbeat. Yeah, bombastic. Yeah. That was the perfect term for it. It's actually st- it's in my phone music right now. It's in my playlist. I still love that theme and listening to it. So, I never got a chance to play the Super Nintendo version back then, but I did get a chance to rent Aladdin for the Sega Genesis, and I had a blast playing it. Uh, so yeah, obviously, uh, Sonic was the big jam, especially your jam, uh. Can you, like, give me, like, a quick uh, retrospective on your history with Sonic? So, that was, like, the go-to game I went to every time. I grew I grew attached to Sonic right from the get-go. I loved it. Um, outside of Sonic, the, the, the video game, I, I loved watching the cartoon. The, yeah. Both of them, because back then I was young. So, I did, like, the, the cartoon year childish one, too, back then. Then I grew up and I was like, ooh, now I just cringe at it. Man, there's Sad AM. <laughs> sad AM is still great. good. Um, yeah, whenever a new game came out, Sonic 2, I rocked it. I used to love playing it with my best friend Mike because my best friend Mike, who I met since kindergarten, um, we, we, we grew up, like, when didn't work, that's the wrong word. We had different interests, but he still had a Sega Genesis and we I used to sleep over his place almost like every second weekend and he had a Sega with a Sonic 2 and I would that would be 
where I played Sonic the most. And I had a great time playing Sonic Sonic 2. Sonic 3, I almost didn't get. Because around that time, the Sega Channel came out. Mm. Which I still would think was amazing. It's like, and that was my gloating part like, to all my people who had Super Nintendo. It's like, yeah, sure, you have a Super Nintendo. But how many games do you have to buy? I get like 30 games a month on right, this little right cart right here. here. I might not get to keep them, but I get to play them long enough to experience them. If, if I'm good enough, I could beat them. <laughs> but yeah, I almost didn't get Sonic 3 because we had the Sega channel. It's like, yeah, I could play. I, I, occasionally, I'd get a chance to play Sonic 3. Okay, yeah. Sonic and Knuckles will rock that. And then after that, um, I, that was when I got my first Nintendo console. I got an N64. And we didn't get the Sega Saturn. And this is where I started splitting away from the Sega Genesis. It was more so out of cost than anything. Because Sony was on the horizon. Yeah, Sony was... Ne- well, well, there was... there was. Uh, have you ever seen that prototype of the... Uh, uh, I, I think it was Sony and Nintendo when they were initially making like a CD drive yeah. for the uh, uh, N64? Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, man, that thing would have been crazy. Oh, oh, they would have printed money with that if it actually succeeded. They, it, Final Fantasy would have stayed on there. Yeah, the, Nintendo would have kept it. Oh, man. But yeah, no, that was almost in a way that was that was a separation that needed to happen because Final Fantasy VII was amazing. I think at that point, that's when I I didn't forget about Sonic. But that was when I was first introduced to Final Fantasy. You, is when I got you to the branched Sony. your horizons a yeah. little bit. And then, yeah, during that point in time, I went to the, this, uh, the Sony, so I missed out on the Sega Saturn and the Sega Dreamcast, which means I missed out on Sega CD, and I missed out on Sega Event- or Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 until I got a GameCube. Yeah, then you picked those up. Then they re-released those for the GameCube. It's like, yes, there we go, and then I got right back into the Sonic games. Then Sonic Heroes came out. And I was like, okay, I like heroes. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna show them Sonic Heroes. I, I actually like kind of, I, I liked it. I didn't get a chance to finish it. I think I played. I didn't play through all of the teams. I didn't think. I don't think I got through Team Amy. Yeah, I think I was the one. It's like I just I could, there was more games coming out, and I just kind of put it off to the side and never went back to it. And then that's when I'm trying to remember my history for Sonic games after that. It gets hazy because that's when a lot of people started losing interest in the Sonic games because they just started going downhill in their opinion. There, yeah, it's around like. Oh, that's when Shadow that the Hedgehog Sha- came out. Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> uh, Sonic 06 would have came out a little bit around Which that I time. Which I still haven't played. I'm going to save that for a special occasion. I'm going to record it. <laughs> I've, I've, had, I've had my talks about how I would change it. On one of our other podcasts. Not if I review you first. You yeah. can go check out that episode. <laughs> or don't. I was completely unprepared. And I think I... <laughs> I, I like that. That was a good episode. <laughs> I, I believe that was a good episode. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it, I just kind of... Ever since... You know, that whole path, I just... I still look hooked on the Sonic. It was my... I feel it at... at, at Earlier on, I felt it was that one thing that defined who I was. So I stuck Sonic to it. Like, I love Sonic and Sega. People can remember me because I'm the guy who likes Sonic and Sega. 
So, uh, wh- what do you think of the trend Sonic is going in? Because for a while there, they're like, I'd say after like Sonic 06 and that whole fiasco, that it kind of reached like, I would, I don't think it was necessarily bad. A lot of the games, no, I still but they were all. like not as good. There was potential, but it wasn't reached yeah. potential. Like I think Sonic Colors was was a good game, and Sonic and the Secret Ring. What, what I, I didn't get a chance to play seeing Sonic and the Secret Rings. Sonic and the Black Knight, I liked. <laughs> I, I I actually was drawn more towards that game because before that game released. I went to my first video games live, mm. and when I got to meet one of my, one, yeah one of my industry heroes, he was telling I was talking to him how I like Sonic. I got a, I got a chance to talk to him for a little bit. I didn't expect that. It's like we we're talking. He actually I think I can't remember who brought on. He might have asked. Uh, yeah, he he was asking everyone's like, what was your favorite part? Of, what was your favorite song? And I mentioned it's like, oh Sonic, I love Sonic. And it's like, oh awesome, man. It's like, yeah, I'm working on on some of the music for Sonic and the Black Knight. You should check it out. It's like. Awesome, and I had to check it out when I, I played through Sonic Knight and Black Knight, and I was watching the credits. It's like, oh, there he is! There he is! <laughs> oh no, I had a fun. Um, I can see how people don't like those um, Sonic and the uh, Sonic and the Seven Rings. I, I want to say it was Secret Rings so, yeah, or Sonic Seven and Rings. Rings. I think it's Secret yeah. Rings. Secret and Rings. Sonic and the Black Knight were their rail games to an extent. Yeah. Where you just ran down a rail and then you just switched from rail to rail. I can see how a lot of people would find that boring, but it was a new take. It was interesting. The story that they it, they threw into it were, was okay. It was alright. It was okay. I wouldn't say they were bombshells. No, they they I think like I say, I think it was just unreached potential. Yeah. Sonic Unleashed, come on, like, the Werehog idea wasn't horrible. It's not the worst thing they ever came up with. <laughs> the day the sections were okay. Yeah. Just those Werehog sections were not. Ah! Oh, God. That yell. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the jumping mechanics were, like, I didn't know where the, the hitboxes were for some of the platforms. I would frequently find myself falling. I think for that breach of time from like Sonic 06 to like Generations, I felt they needed a better QA team. They probably could. Uh, also, was... I think a lot of those games could just use more time in the oven. Exactly. Just cook them a little bit more, <laughs> just get a little bit more crispy, you know. Just fix it up. And then the other, the other freaking game people didn't like sonic boom was almost just like sonic 06 you know there's so many glitches Ooh. it was bad but the <laughs> one thing i will defend it though um my friend ty told me i should check out the cartoon yes the cartoon yes. was good sonic boom cartoon it's was a, hilarious it's amazing <laughs> how good that cartoon is uh but how but how about with like the most recent releases also, I can Do people just forget Lost World even happened? Because I oh, forgot it happened. For Sonic Galaxy. I mean, Lost Worlds. Yeah. That. I okay. I got it in a Sonic Humble Bundle, and I played a little bit of it, but I still don't feel right playing a Sonic game with keyboard and mouse. So I've been it's holding right. off until I get a controller. But now I do. I have a PS4 controller. I'll just um, sync it up to my computer and I'll mm. play it, and I'll have a better opinion on Lost Worlds. 
but the way I hear it, it's a lot slower. There's there's a lot of sections of the game where they force you to stop and switch over and switch sides and stuff like that. There is a keyword that you said in there that should never be associated with Sonic, and it's slow. Yeah, that's what his that's what his friends are for. His other friends that's do what slow. Knuckles is for. That's what Big the Cat's for. That's what Froggy's about. <laughs> <laughs> I like Big the Frog. That's another B- character. Big I the Frog. Remember. Yes, Big the Frog. Big the Cat. Have you seen Froggy? <laughs> He's a super chill character. I like if him. He, if it doesn't put on the lotion, it gets the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as it's uh, Sonic is trending now, I think they've been doing a lot better post generations. Yeah. Generations was one of my still is now one of my favorite Sonic games. It, it like it took a, it took a level from Sonic 06, and that's pretty much the only experience I've had of 06 right now was playing like that. It was Crisis that mob city. section, right? Well, it was it was the level where like the city was going all yeah. shit, that yeah, was it, lava it, yeah. and shit. I still remember that one part in the Game Grumps run <laughs> where. It, <laughs> it, it was one. So of the, it was one. It was a section within in the Sonic run where it was in some sort of temple thing, and like Aaron. And this was back when John was still a part of it, and Aaron and John just exactly go silent as like I think Aaron's playing, and he just somehow manages to do it perfectly. It's like. It was like the most intense, silent LP I'd ever heard. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other moment. There is also that other moment, if There's, you want to go Yeah, the that. moment where freaking Aaron is just screwing around with Knuckles. And all of a sudden they're gliding up and they get stuck on a stalactite. And I know there was a bit of silence like, oh, what the fuck I'm doing here? All of a sudden, and then the, the noise John makes, he goes like, what the hell? <laughs> What is this? What is life? You, 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 sometime in life, you got, you got to make a line, and you got to tell yourself, is this, is this enough? There's something along those lines, and I just, uh, I'll never forget that scene. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's what, that's what John says. And then the other time when they're fighting Silver the Hedgehog, and it's, it's no use. It's no use. And then when Dare as Silver, the tables have turned. Like Silver wins, Sonic wins. And John's like, some, some, get me out of here. So like, why aren't you looking at me? Why aren't you looking at me? Oh, oh man. Oh, no. that LP is golden. Generations was great. Sonic Forces is pretty good as a like playthrough at once. It's fun. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to make fun of the people who, who like Sonic to the point that they make OC characters and have fan fiction and stuff like that. There there is a whole level of cringe, but that doesn't that doesn't con- that doesn't label everyone who's into that as cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. I had fun making my own OC character in there. Well, it wasn't my it was a collective. I was playing with my friends James and Brend- uh, Brendan, and we kind of collaborated on a character. I don't think oh, we gave him a name. I can't, I can't remember what we did, and if we did, I can't remember what we named him. But it was cool going through the game once, 
<laughs> just having a having a blast is like hey look at my character he's interacting with all these other characters in the main universe it's awesome i still love that first trailer they showed uh <laughs> where where they show like the custom character and it's just like the most <laughs> oc character he's got like the tech stuff <laughs> and all that it's like it's like they know they know they knew yeah, and even throwing that into the trend, their their social media has been on point. Like they've they've pointed out their own memes and they've participated in it. like the whole Sanic thing. Like for a while, that was like I think they they posted it as their Facebook profile page. It was just a picture of Sanic. Huh. <laughs> uh, so I may as well add like I have to ask this question by law. <laughs> Oh, no. Since we're talking about Sonic OCs, did you have an OC? Oh, I believe I did at one point. I didn't. I didn't idolize over it like most people have, have been heard of There's doing. There's the weird side of the Sonic fandom where they're oddly Christian. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen those Christian Sonic like memes Christian. and shit. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> 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 oh man They're... I am not Chris Chan levels of OC <laughs> like, I think I, I made a cheetah And I did what most other OC people do He's just as fast as Sonic Maybe fast. faster oh. I'm not going to take away his glory But he might be faster he might, oh. if, if he runs hard enough he might yeah. And of course I chose the most stereotypical animals if, if there's any animal in that universe That could match his speed it would be a cheetah Yeah I think so and I think I went with something super cliche. I think I called his I called his name Speed at the time or something. <laughs> something something to refer to going fast. Very, very <laughs> fast. Very fast cheetah. Uh, so at the at the end of all all of this, what is your favorite Sonic game? Oh, I always have to go back and forth with this. Um I would as, as much as Sonic Generations relifted my spirits, I do have to go back to the classics. I do think Sonic 3 is probably still my favorite. I, can, I still find myself going back and playing through it. If you're just playing 3 alone and not attached to Sonic and Knuckles, it's a relatively short game. So if I feel like one afternoon I have the day off, it's like, you know, I'm going to play through Sonic 3 again. The music in each all of the levels are awesome it's got some of my favorite music it's got ice cap zone mm. probably still one of my favorite my favorite soundtracks from sonic the hedgehog the fact alone that one of the tra- one or two of the tracks from that game was made by michael jackson fun fact the reason that you don't see him in the credits is that last at the last minute michael jackson heard this stuff and he didn't like the ch- uh, the, the sound chip for the mm. sega and he didn't like how, how it turned out but they were still allowed to keep it in the game. He, they just didn't want... He didn't want his credit in it. Yeah. Just uncredited. Yeah. yeah. And that would be the credit scene song. And I can't remember the other song. But that was a really fun fact. I really loved it. But yeah, that... Ice Cap Zone and Flying Battery Zone was another one of my favorites. So yeah, Sonic 3 is still my favorite Sonic game. Uh, going back to Sega because that that's like the prime uh, publisher for you. Uh, what other Sega franchises did you follow uh, a lot? 
Shining Force. It's still probably my favorite out of... Um, I always have to remind myself what this... It's a particular genre. It's called... Is it isometric? It's it's a grid-based RPG. Um, for those playing more current ones, it's a lot like Fire Emblem or Dissidia or Dis Disgaea, I think. Uh, uh, what I'm finding here is a fancy turn-based role-playing game. Yeah. So yeah, we'll I go with assume that. isometric, like. Is the camera pulled out, kind of? It's yeah, it's a top down, top down. And I, it's a, I want it's a turn, it's a is, it, is it like Fallout, bracket. like original Fallout? No, no, it's not like where you click and it's on real time. Okay, it's turn based. So it's like Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, it, it would be more closer to like yeah. Yeah, than it's essentially like a, a game of chess with characters with significant like different abilities and magic and whatnot. It was a fun game. The music in it was great. Yeah, like I mentioned before, like the credits to Shining Force 1 was amazing. It's on my phone. I was ashamed that when they started going back to that franchise, they started changing it to a different genre. I think back in the PS2, around like 2005, I saw a Shining Force game. I was like, oh, yes, new Shining Force! And they made it into like a gauntlet-style like dungeon crawler game. It's like, mm, oh, Well, that's oh, not exactly what you're looking for. No. If I want to play Gauntlet, I'm going to play Gauntlet. <laughs> exactly. Nobody beats Gauntlet. <laughs> Until they made Seven Sorrows, which was just full of sorrow. <laughs> um, Streets of Rage, which I heard recently they're making a new Streets of Rage I was really, really psyched for. Um, this is one of my favorite beat-em-ups, alongside Golden Axe, which are both are pretty much the same game, just different time eras. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up like Double Dragon. But I do really like Street, uh, Streets of Rage for their music. It does have some really, yeah. really strong music. Uh, that I, didn't, I got into it late, but uh, in a recent Humble Bundle a couple years ago, I picked up Jet Set Radio. I really hope that someday they go back to that franchise and make a new one. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah, those would be my mainstays for Sega titles. There are more. There are some Sega titles I want to get into, like the Yakuza store, uh, games. I've gotten into those. But that, now recently. is the perfect time to yeah. get into Yakuza because they already they already have Zero. They have the the Kiwami's one two. And I believe they're just like doing just more or less an up-res ports of three and four. Sweet. Uh, and then there's already five and six uh, on PS4. So <laughs> like now, like now is a really good time to get into Yakuza. That and I heard this that that production team made the recent uh, Fist of the North Star game, and apparently they because they touched it, it's amazing. Did. I, I saw it at EB Games the other day, and I was, I, it took a lot to not pick it up right then and there, but I had, <laughs> I had to get Final Fantasy, uh, no, not Final Fantasy, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, final chapter prologue. Uh, my friend just reminded, or I know my brother just remembered that he does have that, so I'm going to be getting that off of him. Like, yes, Kingdom Hearts, finally. <laughs> so like at, at, like you went to Sony somewhat after like you yeah. went to you you went to uh, N sixty four after yeah. Genesis and then PlayStation one yeah I went right to PlayStation one okay 
So then, what's your timeline then after that? Um, I went from PlayStation 1, and that's when I picked up my first Super Nintendo, so I got a chance to jump, jump back in and play some, some of the gems I didn't get a chance to play. And that was when I got a chance to play my favorite Zelda game, Link to the Past. My man! <laughs> I love it. I love... There, there's a certain magic to top-down games, and I love, I love the angle of games like that for the most part. I love when you get to play... The character, like uh, like the original GTA one and two, I still love playing those mm-hmm. games. Uh, the the reason I really mm-hmm. like Link to the Past, even to this day, is the the sense of freedom you have because yes. you you can start anywhere on that map. Yeah, and you acquire like yeah, some of those fight like that first fight, your boss fight you're gonna have is always gonna be trouble because you don't have the item that is good against that person. Yeah, uh, or thing, but you, then you start like acquiring all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you just become this huge badass by the end. Uh, and like it wasn't until like Breath of the Wild that I got that feeling again. Because oh. again, it was just that sense of freedom. Of just, I can go anywhere and do this however I want to. I could go <laughs> fight Ganon right now if I wanted to. But I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared of that. <laughs> you see that thing? It's a big pig cloud it's fucking horrifying <laughs> uh, I, now that I think about it a lot of my games were geared towards music that actually had a good soundtrack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like yeah Link to the Past was probably my favorite because I liked almost all the music that came out of it and a lot of it be, you know, became mainstay for the Zelda series um, like it probably like my favorite music out of, this, out of the Link to the Past was probably like the Dark Realm I liked the Dark Realm music or the, uh, the whenever you're in the castle, the castle music was too good too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll get soundtrack to my timeline. Um, then I went from the PS1 to the PS2, and I think that was a point in time where I had two like mainline consoles because when I got the PS2, I also picked up the GameCube. So I had both of those running at the same time, so picking up games of those. <laughs> no. I didn't get a chance to own an Xbox. I always had friends who had Halo and stuff, and I'd go to their place to play Halo all the time. But that was all my only experience with it. Microsoft's like, oh, Halo, gotta play Halo. I mean, that's really all they had for. A long time <laughs> Jade Empire could have been cool, yeah, if they kept going. Oh, exactly. That would have been nice. Um, and then from the PS2, I, I think after that, I moved to PC. And then I did get a PS3 for a while, but then I eventually got my hands on... Oh, the Wii. I went to the Nintendo Wii. I was working at... I remember that, because I was working at StarTech. My friend had one, and he didn't... He, he was losing interest in it, and he sold it to me. And he sold it with all his games, which came with Wii Sports. Mm. Oh, can I remember all the games? WarioWare. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, there's a couple other ones. Why can't I remember... Yeah, but there was a couple Twilight other ones, but I got it for a good price. Yes. Yeah, I got Twilight Princess. And then I had that for a while. I had a lot of fun with the Wii. Um, I still own that Wii. And I think I still own my original PS2 as well. Uh, and it gets hazy from there. I didn't get a Wii U. But that's when I started Didn't get a con- getting consoles whatsoever. I think PS3 was the last console I got. Up until a couple days ago. And you finally acquired a PS4. Yes. Okay. 
So, because uh, you just mentioned that you kind of went to PC a little bit uh, in there. Uh, what more or less drew you to that, to going to PC? Uh, I, f- I had an opportunity to finally get a computer that can run good computer games. That and a circle of friends I started hanging out with when I started getting di- dipping into Dungeons & Dragons. They were into World of Warcraft. And for a long time, I was hesitant about it because I was against... That was when the age of monthly subscriptions started happening. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons I was against Xbox when Xbox 360 came out because they were one of the first ones to start up a monthly subscription. It's like, yeah, you, why you, am I going to pay Xbox for that? Live. But I was more adamant against World of Warcraft because I had the, men- I had the mindset. It's like, I'm spending $60 on this game. Why am I spending $60 and an additional $15 a month for this game? I'm not, I'm not sold. And my friend let me play Jeez, it on it his for a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it was when Bur- the this no the Bur- Wrath of the Lich King came okay. out. Okay, was when eventually I caved. My friend's like, "Hey, I'm gonna buy you a three month pass." I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll buy the game if you're gonna get me three month subscription." And that's when I got hooked. And then it's like, you know what? I real I'm starting to like playing games on the PC. Started playing Diablo two a lot. I think that was the one I started playing a lot of. A lot of my spare time went to playing Diablo 2. <laughs> it was my favorite for a long time. I stopped playing World of Warcraft after a little bit. Did you ever dabble in like Warcraft 3 or anything? Oh, <laughs> uh, in high school. Oh, okay. Um, I played a little bit on the on the, the hook, this computers at school because they had the demos. So I only played the demo. <laughs> but I would replay the shit out of that demo. Really good. <laughs> I didn't play too much more of it because I suck at RTS games. I had a bad experience with StarCraft. I decided to play an online match. Oh and no! Either it was a glitch or their their matching system was just buggered. But I'm just playing. It's like eh, getting some minerals, getting my stuff set up. All right, let's start making some. Tr- what is that? And I just get steamrolled. I was like, what? How did they amass this in this short period of time? Were they playing Zerg? Yeah, they Zerg rushed me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just don't have I don't have the mental capacity to micro micromanage all of the shit that's involved in an RTS game. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, so I actually have a bunch of Warcraft questions. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like you got into World of Warcraft three month subscription. Yeah. Uh, so what was your preferred? Well, actually, why did you get into the Alliance? Why not the Horde? Um, this goes back to when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons. In the any sort of fantasy setting, I was attracted to the runts. I'm a tall person. If you don't know me, I'm like. I'm pretty sure I'm six feet. If I'm not, I'm like five eleven, five yeah, I'm five, at least five eleven. Yeah, you're I always like the aspect of living out my li- life of somebody like half my size, <laughs> and I love the, I love the dwarves, at least especially in the, in the in the Dungeons and Dragons realm because I love how they are. They have a strict law system. They keep to themselves. I that, that that part not so much attracted me to it but they had a very strong community and i I love the voices of dwarves 
I, I love the stereotypical dwarf voice. Mm-hmm. So when I saw World of Warcraft, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm playing a dwarf. And it was more or less what races the Alliance had over the Horde is why I made my decision. The Horde didn't have, like, shitty races by any means. I love the Torrens. I love how the Torrens look. And that was probably one of the first races I played on their side. Then I played Trolls. I like playing Trolls and Torrens, more or less. Until just recently, I started reading the lore of World of Warcraft. The books are amazing. I've gotten into two of the books so far. But I read about the beginnings, and I read about the orc races. And I have a lot, a newfound respect for the orcs now. So I do like the orcs. It also does help that a lot of those uh, animations they've had uh, yeah, exactly. with uh, Battle of Astaroth. Uh, really kind of sold a lot of people on orcs. Hashtag Sorfang new chieftain. I need to keep an eye on that because I really want Sylvanas gone. <laughs> so yeah, actually, how how do you feel about the uh, the way the lore has been handled uh, in Warcraft? I think the lore has been doing okay. I mean, there there are some certain gripes I have with it. But overall, I think that it's still they're still doing a good job at storytelling. They they need to improve game wise, but like the story, I really like it's being on. That's why I started getting interested in reading the books, picking up on stuff that I was missing out on because I didn't get into the game until Wrath of Lich King. I still don't know a lot about what happened in Burning Crusade. I'm starting to learn about the Legion that's behind the events of Burning Crusade. But I still love the story choices that they make. Um, I know a lot of people were upset with what they're doing with Sylvanas. They feel like it's not... it's It doesn't... It seems out of character for her. I think they could have executed it better. But I think they need... The, the certain critical story points that they did, depicted with her in the release of the newest expansion where it was necessary to set... Oh, what's the word? To set, like, a launch point for the expansion. To set a conflict. Mm. I think it was more or less... I think the, the angle they were going with is, like... The new king... The new leader of the, the Alliance... Anduin... Is basically, like, the pinnacle of light. Where they wanted to depict Sylvanas as, like, the polar opposite. Okay. Okay. But I still really love the story. I just hope they start stop fucking up the game. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that, that, answer, that answered one of my questions. Uh, then, uh, what what is your favorite Warcraft character? Oh, there were there were a couple that I got I grew attached to. I thought Wrathful or the Lich King. Looked badass. And that was pretty much... I liked him for his badass factor. He looked amazing. I loved his sword. The Frostborn is still one of my favorite looking swords. Like, if I were to go out and had, like, money on hand, I would love to have a nice centerpiece in the living room with just the Frostborn hanging on the wall or something. Fucking... This big-ass fucking sword. (laughs) Um, So he's still one of my favorite. One that became one of my new favorites is Thrall. Now, since I read the books... I've read his his upbringing and his his rise into into the horde, and I've, I've in my opinion he's my favorite leader of the horde. 
I'm sad that he he went off to become a druid or whatever. I, I, that's another part I didn't really read much into Cataclysm and Miss Pandaria yet and what led to him leave uh, to hand down the leadership to, to Hellscream but I feel that they didn't have they've had no better war chief since he left Garrosh was good for a little bit he was he was doing okay he had standards then he decided to drop a bomb on Theramore Mm, yeah, that'll, that'll drop your approval rating, I think. <laughs> he just, just he killed bit. hundreds of innocent people. Yeah, it's, that that's not a good look. <laughs> and then Soljin, Soljin, I think, am I getting his name right? He was okay, but he didn't really do anything during his leadership. And then he he then in his dying words he he handed it off to Sylvanas, and now we have Sylvanas. Hmm. Okay, so here is a little thing I'm going to ask you. Uh, I'm calling it Rankum. So there are four uh, main Blizzard titles. And I, I, I assume you've dabbled. Well, yeah, you've dabbled in each one a little bit. That being Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, and Overwatch. Yep. So rank them your like favorite to, I guess, least favorite. Uh, right now, I've kind of stopped playing Overwatch. But the game as a whole, I still really like. But the top slot... No, I'm going to start at the bottom. Um, My least favorite... I don't hate any of the Blizzard games. I don't straight out hate any mm. of them. But because I play it the least, the bottom racket would have to go to StarCraft... I just don't play it because I, I haven't gotten into RTS RTSs games. are not exactly your thing. No. Yeah. I've looked into the story. I really like the story. I'm pretty sure there's novels out there. I'll probably get around to it and I'm going to read the, the story of StarCraft. And I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy the story more than I will the game. Um, moving on, the next one would be... This is tough. Um, this is where it gets tough. <laughs> we're just going with the four. We're not including Heroes of the Storm or... No, no, we're not. There's Hearthstone. Hearthstone's Hearthstone. technically connected to World of Warcraft. Is there another title missing from there? No, no. Yeah. We're, if we're going with the four Overwatch Heroes... Or Overwatch, Diablo, Starcraft, and World. Um... I don't say Diablo's the next one. That's really tough for me to say. Diablo's really fun. And again, I really love the story in it. I've started playing with two. Loved three after a while. I got three during the release. I played it for like a couple weeks and I dropped it. And then they introduced the seasons. And it's like, oh hey, the game's fun again. Awesome. I'll and take I one, it up. one good change. Oh yeah. Uh, and now I'm going to get a chance to play Diablo 1 because they put Diablo 1 on good old games so I'm going to pick that up and play play Diablo 1 for the first time um, then number 2 we'll have to go to Overwatch I really like it um, I've never been the best person at shooter games I'm slowly trying to pick it back up it started with Overwatch there was a brief period of time where I was playing Halo and I played Call I played a couple of the Call of Duties. I think my Call of Duty line went when 
I started playing Call of Duty at World of War. Mm, I kind of stopped. Deep. Then I kind of stopped playing at Black Ops Two, and then that was I think that was the last Call of Duty I played. And then I played a little bit of in between all of that. I played Halo. Then I kind of stopped playing shooters for a while. I wouldn't say it's his fault, but I have a friend who's really good at shooters. Brandon, that's you, um, if you're listening. Um, it's not your fault that I stopped playing shooters, but when I played with you, I just got spanked. Just got destroyed. I got wrecked. I'm not good at shooters. And then just sitting beside... Oh, my brother's really good at shooters, too. So I'm sitting there just, yay, awesome, good for you. We're even, even if we're playing co-op, I'm just getting carried. <laughs> Then I got back into shooters and I started playing Overwatch when I was getting into it and played a little bit of Fortnite. Now I'm big into uh, into Apex Legends. But yeah, that's the reason why I'm probably going to put it as two. Gameplay, I still enjoy it, but I'm not the best at it. And in some cases that does drop my experience or my fun with the game. Because then I'll get paired up against people who obviously know what they're doing. In some cases, not all cases. The matchmaking system in Overwatch is okay. Yeah. But overall experience, World of Warcraft has to take number one slot. Just overall, it appeals to a lot of different things. I could play it casually. I'm not, I've never been hardcore into it. I tried this summer, and even before then, the winter before, because I had an injury. So I joined a guild, my friend's guild, and I was trying to play more, because I had the free time. But overall, after those... How long was I on my injury for? Two months? Or was it three? Yeah, it was three months. After all of that, it's like, you know what? No, I couldn't, like, full-time play this game in order to stay up-to-date with my guild. Mm -hmm. Because they needed regular raiders. Yeah, it's a bit of a commitment to uh, go into MMOs and all of yeah. that. But, yeah, but that being said, it's still a fun game to occasionally put a couple hours into. You don't have to be in a raid to enjoy that game. Okay, uh, I'll ask you a little bit about Diablo then, because you, you brought up that you played a lot of Diablo 2 and uh, some uh, Diablo 3. Uh, so what, what, what attracted you to Diablo, and uh, what made you stay and play a lot of Diablo? Um, the cover art for Diablo was, sucked me in. Cool. It was just that diab diabolic freaking evil face. On the box art, it's like, oh, that's cool. How did I acquire it? I think I got one on. Oh, I got the battle chest that came with um, Diablo 2 and it came with the expansion um, something, but Bale or whatever. And if it was that it, I think it came with the instructor, uh, the the game guide. But um, what kept me connected to that game is I had a group of friends who liked playing it often. And it wasn't even that we played consistently. Back then, they, they had a character uh, expiry system. So if you didn't if you didn't log on to your character in like... Ooh, was it three weeks? No, it wasn't three weeks. That would have been unfair. I think if you didn't play your character for like three months, it just got deleted. It's a little rough. Which wasn't the worst, because then it, it, would it reintroduced replayability. Because you, you'd be, you'd play for a little bit, you get all like the top tier weapons and shit like that. It wasn't it's like soft reset. Yeah, and then you you stop playing for a while, and all of a sudden, friends like, "Hey, you want to play Diablo two again?" It's like, "Yeah, totally." 
Then we hop back on, play new characters, play it for like a couple weeks, and then drop it again. It was it had perfect replayability because it was one of the first like you know, the term that they use now, roguelike. Yeah. Because it done it, the map wouldn't always be the same. It would randomize, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what classes did you mostly play? Necromancer. <laughs> Seeing how many freaking skeletons and minions I can amass without freaking freezing my game. <laughs> Heaven forbid there was more than one necromancer in a game when you're freaking trying to group up. <laughs> it's just the frame rate would just drop. <laughs> But I had the most fun playing Necromancer. I was upset when Diablo 3 said they weren't going to have Necromancer. Oh. And then, like, it wasn't until they re- um, released him as a DLC class. I'm just writing down something. <laughs> wow, I misspelled that bad. There we go. <laughs> but during Diablo 3, I really liked the new Demon Hunter uh, class. So I had a lot of fun playing Demon Hunter. They added that to uh, Hots, right? Yeah, yeah. You can. I think they introduced every class in yeah, Heroes of the Storm. I don't. I can't. I can't remember. They were all individual characters, but yeah, there was a Demon Hunter. They had the monk in there. They had the Templar. Did they have? Yeah, they had a mage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had a character for every class in Diablo Three. Yeah, Witch Doctor. Yeah. Uh, so, let's branch off a little bit. You brought this up a couple times, but we haven't gotten into it just yet. Uh, D&D. <laughs> That's a big thing yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, so, what was the first campaign you ever participated in? That would have been in high school, like, 2002, maybe 2003. Again, I just ref- I, I just referenced him. My friend Brandon um, introduced me to good friends. I now I'm still really good friends with the Previs. Um, they'll probably they probably never be listening to this, but calling them out anyways. Um, they were brothers, and they were starting a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Uh they were okay. Uh, who was the DM? Was it Danny? Yeah, it was Danny. He could have been better. I mean, it was ever. I think it was everyone's first time at this. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. There wasn't really a whole lot of structure. It was more or less like he would let us. He would give us where we were. But I think, like any other campaign, we started off in a tavern, and he basically here's the layout. What do you want to do? And that's basically how it went down. Um, he would level up, fight shit, and it got to the point where we got to like high level. And we got a ring of three wishes. And he let us use the third wish to wish for another ring. Oh my so god. So it just, it just got to this... We we plateaued at this point where we had everything. <laughs> and then Brandon started fucking with me. Because I had a dwarf and we had this city. And I started using my wishes to, to expand the city. Make it my own. And it was going to be for dwarves. not Not just dwarves. But primarily dwarves. This is going to be a dwarven ah, city. Dwarf city. So then, at this point, he was getting fed up with how we're abusing the wishes. So then... Well, I mean, he introduced a thing and lets you wish for more wishes. But then he the started... The biggest loophole. He started making it a twist that all the wishes had to come from somewhere. 
So when I wish to expand the city to the point where I can get it large enough to reach the, the port, all of a sudden when I wished to, for the city to be bigger, dozens of orc or freaking not orc uh, dwarves showed up out of nowhere to do the work. It's like okay, now all these dwarves require food and money for their services. Ah oh, shit. I wish for the food and money to for these people. All of a sudden, a big pile of it shows up in the city freaking main fountain area and shit like that. It's like, holy fuck. And who was it? I think somebody wished uh, wished for a... They, they, they want, the other player characters started fucking with me too. And I think they wished, like, one of the most badass fucking monsters in the in the D&D world is... I can't pronounce it. I can never pronounce it right. It's like a Torquesque. But literally, it's this thing like you can't. You have to go through all these special measures to kill it for good because it will regenerate. Mm-hmm. And it's got like aspy spit and shit. Would this be three point five? Yes, this okay. would be three point five. And he came and started freaking fucking my city up, and then I'm trying to calm all the dwarves down and shit. And then my friend, he's just flying with his flying boots, and he's going. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry! <laughs> Fuck sakes. Oh, it wound up with the Torakesk eating me, and then its stomach acids almost melting me away. It got it melted my beard off, which no. In in that lore, like dwarves cherish their beards, and it's basically an insult to be bald, like bald bearded. I've never seen a bald <laughs> dwarf ever. <laughs> And then they they went through lengths to, to make me or to keep me from killing myself. It's like my character is dishonored. He wants to kill himself. It's like no, I wish you're in a straitjacket. It's like ah, just let me die. I don't want to play this character anymore. Oh god, that just <laughs> sounds like torture at that point. Yeah. So, uh, how many D and D campaigns do you think you've been in? Oh, uh, there's that one. I don't think there was two separate Or even, like, how, how long you've been playing D&D? I'd probably say for about ten years now. Ten years, mostly as a uh, player character. There was one time where I didn't mention it very often that I tried DMing with that same group of people. But I did such a shit job at it. There were some um, paradoxes I created... And there beca- there was a trope that started where people would just put their finger up. It was like, oh, bullshit. It is the bullshit finger. <laughs> where the people would point out my bullshit. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, how many, uh, re- really, how many, uh, no, not how many. What, what's your favorite character you've ever played? Um, oh, I brought this character up in, uh. In a in a tweet Annie Fest posted a month or two ago. Uh, was it Fane? Yeah, I think. Can I, I'm always uh, hesitant on the name. Yeah, it's Fane Talion. He was a, he was a human rogue, and I really liked him. He didn't have much of a long campaign because the kryptonite to most of my groups is they never lasted long. There was always commitment issues. Mm-hmm common yeah. common death of many campaigns oh yeah it's either scheduling or just people drop yeah but 
he was part of probably the, one of my favorite stories in D anD. d Um, my friend Andy, he DM'd this one campaign. It was me, my friend Eddie. Brief this story briefly starring my friend Justin. And I think there was one or other, one or two more other characters in this party for this campaign, but those are the three main three par uh, parties of the story. I think I so I told of other people. I think including is this the story. is this the same guy who uh, uh, got killed in the first session? Yeah, this is the first session story. Um, that's a long story. I, I'm not gonna elaborate all over it, but basically we started off tavern. Eddie wants a drink. He gets drunk. Once, as soon as he's drunk, it's like, "What do you do? I want to. I want to find the smallest person in the tavern." It's like, "There's, there's a group of norms. I want to pick a fight with one." Okay, it doesn't take long before you insult him enough where he wants to fight. You fight, and he, he, he didn't specify how he's fighting. So of course he's fighting lethally. He kills the gnome. His, his own buddies freak out, get the city guard. What does Eddie do? Instead of going out in the into the and follow them outside the exit. He goes upstairs thinking he can find a window to jump out of. He struggles because he's drunk. He's a, he, There was two rogues in this party. He was a rogue, I was a rogue. But he thought, it's like, oh, I'll lockpick this. It's like, Eddie, you're drunk. It's like, but I'm still, still going to try this. Okay, you're taking disadvantage on this. It's like, you're, you're, here's, you're taking negatives on this. There wasn't disadvantage back then. But um, he's struggling. Two guards go upstairs. Or no, it was, yeah, it was two. No, three. Justin, the brief star role of Justin, the druid, he decides with me, we're gonna go help him out. Go upstairs. Last minute, he goes, "You know, fuck this. I'm not helping him. He got into this. He'll die. I don't care. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna lose my character <laughs> over this." I was like, "Fine, just me. Fine." I go, "Dagger, go!" I throw a dagger at one of the guards. The first roll of the night. It's like roll, roll dice, roll twenty, critical hit. Yes, and um. I can't remember if this is actually you know, I don't this is more of a house rule where um whenever we confirmed a critical, we roll again, and if we rolled another twenty, that confirms death. It's it no matter what. You could be fighting a dragon at level one. If you roll two consecutive twenties, you, you kill you the melt, thing. You, you just one hit it. You murder. You murder. one punch man it. But so yeah, I got double twenties through the dagger gets like that one fine point between the helmet and the armor of the guard back of the neck dead drops dead other guards go what the fuck just happened bluff check roll like it wasn't another 20 but it was like 18 it's like and i just put on like the most drama i can't say like, oh, this druid out of nowhere came up the stairs and threw a dagger at that guard i saw the whole thing <laughs> he's running away now oh man I go to my friend, lockpick the door, we go into the room, I tried figuring out a way to make a string or a rope to get down off the window because we're in the second story, but it doesn't take long the guards to figure out I was bullshitting. They come back up, knocking on the door, trying to find out where we went, and I tell Eddie, be quiet. What does he do? The complete opposite. When they get to our door and knock, he says, don't come in, we're having hot gay sex. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, whatever, grapple check. Eddie tries to fight me on this. Of course, he's drunk, he fails. I grab him, throw him out the window. He takes a little bit of damage, but lives. I jump down after him. I put on my disguise kit. I walk past the guards. Don't even notice a damn thing. I gave up fucking, on him. Like an Ezio up in this. <laughs> yeah. Just right by. Whatever. Eddie goes through the city, finds some fruit. 
goes outside the city, sees glowing eyes in the bushes. This is basically the DM saying, go back in the city, you dipshit. If you want to live, come back, go away to the city. But of course, Eddie does, he, he, he's afraid of the guards, so he's going to go, but he, he thinks he's just going to camp outside. He offers the, the glowing eyes of the bushes fruit. He doesn't say anything. He takes his insult, throws the fruit of the bushes, like a cheetah or something comes out, and like a last little bit of pity for him, DM says, arrows come out of nowhere, hits the tiger or the cat, runs away. It's goblins. You start moving in as a reaction. Goblins freak out because they thought you were dead. Again, this is like a subtle nudge to Eddie. It's like, this is your last chance. They're scared of you. You can just walk away from this. And it's like, I can take them. It's like, you're still drunk. It's like, I can take them. Miss, 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 miss. <laughs> Over time, he just dies. And that was the story. But Die. yeah. There was a little bit of story after that, but I really love playing that role. <laughs> huh. Uh, okay, so with the recent resurgence in uh, like tabletop role playing games, uh, ranging from either from a Dungeons and Dragons background to just wild all over the place, from something like a cyberpunk uh, setting to like uh, the game that uh, Tanner promoted the on SFP last week. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you I think the the future of tabletop uh, entails, especially with like a lot of popular uh, and famous people uh, like really embracing the genre? I'm glad. Like, <laughs> even if, even if you don't get much of a fan base, to be able to record your sessions to preserve them. To be able to go like to your grandkids, hey, listen to this. This is me playing a tabletop session. This is me this when is I was a knight. <laughs> fall asleep to this. Fall asleep to these epic tales. <laughs> we are creating this story. It's. I, I think it's great to be able to. I don't. I don't know why people didn't think of this sooner. Well, let's not discredit. This might have been done for years, but this it's now becoming popular. Hmm. Uh, I want to talk to you about, let's go to comics. Because that's kind of the thing that you're into. Yes. Uh, so first, first things first, Marvel or DC? Marvel. I don't hate DC. I just, I want to reiterate, I don't hate DC. There was a point in time where I was fan, fan hating over it just because of my like for Marvel. Then, um, a dear friend, a dear close friend of mine, uh, Brendan, uh, he showed me a couple of comics because he wanted to convince me how good DC is. And there was a good couple of story arcs that he showed me and I really still do enjoy up to this day. Like, oh, I can't remember the name of this arc, but it involved Batman basically making a satellite that basically watched over crime and over the entire world. But then it became sentient. Like, he called it something Judgment. Or I have Judgment. No, it wasn't I have Judgment.
Justice League Satellite? OMAC Project? Yeah, I think it was OMAC. Ob- uh, observational Metahuman Activity Construct. Cyborg created. <laughs> But no, yeah, there there's a, there was a fairy couple couple of series that he shared with me and I really enjoyed reading. Um, of course, like most people, regardless if they're Marvel, it's it's hard for you not to like Batman or his rogue gallery. It was pretty eclectic. But at the end of the day I do have to choose Marvel over DC. So who's your who's your favorite character? Give you just overall over um if we're if we're sticking strictly to dc and marvel i think my favorite is ghost rider <laughs> his his appeal when i was a kid just i totally loved the whole appeal or the old appearance of ghost rider so like johnny chains and leather yeah okay yeah dude not not raise i like robbie raise is pretty cool it took some warming up to get to get to like raise I was skeptical at first because I grew up with the bike, and as soon as they switched to a car, I was like, "I don't like this." And then I grew to accept it. That car I like it. Pretty cool, though. Now. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, that's a pretty fucking cool car. Yeah. But if if we're branching out outside of DC and Marvel, my all-time favorite is Spawn. I love Spawn. Again, probably I I made both of these my favorite back when I was a kid when I thought that appearance was. Badass is all fuck. This is still badass is all still, fuck. He is pretty cool. But yeah, I really love Spawn. And I, I do love his, his his background and his story. Like, just a man who's just done wrong. And he was given another chance through hell. Like, normally you, you see these stories where, like, heaven is the one that helps like, bring this guy back and give you another... No, this hell did. Hell brought you back. He's like, you're gonna be a freaking soldier for me. He's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I'll fuck I'm, you up. I'll do what I want. I'm a huge fucking anti-hero and do what I want. <laughs> but yeah, no, if we're sticking to Marvel DC, I think... Or actually, if we wanted to go further into it, my favorite DC character... Mm, actually, I think I have to think that over. Um, oh, oh, uh, Lobo. I love Lobo. Basically, DC's Wolverine. Uh, I think the first actual like real introduction I had to Lobo was with Injustice. <laughs> yeah, I remember the one episode he was in. <laughs> uh, man, fucking, I re- I really de- dig like the space like biker kind of dude kind of uh, thing he had going on. Yeah, and I like how they got around swearing, where basically he was an alien, so they just took existing swears and then just changed the word like i think hit his bitch was like bastitch it's like oh you're one bast you're one son of a bastitch it's like ah, i see what you did there you're yeah. saying bitch <laughs> it's like just insert letter damn you're good <laughs> yeah uh uh so who who would you say is your favorite uh comic book writer or what's your favorite mm-hmm. run of a comic book. Um, for the longest time, I never really paid attention to the people behind 
the media, which might might be pretty vain in my opinion. I never really gave much attention to the people who create, which is my bad. Um, I was more or less just enjoying the product and absorbing it. Um, uh, I guess I would have to say, like, without having particularly following anybody, I'd have to say just because I like Marvel, I have to say Stan Lee as an overall creator. He's done wonders, and while he was still with us, he's just a shining beacon. Mm. Even mm. if he wasn't contributing a whole lot to, like, stories or whatnot. I don't know what he was doing in his last couple of years, but, like, his appearance and his contributions will never be forgotten. Yeah, he's a legend within the industry. Yeah. But as for runs, um, one of the first comics I actually collected the entire series of, and I still like reading... Is uh, Secret Invasion. I was left. Was that the one right after Civil War? I think it was. I think it was, yeah. Civil Wars was the one that brought me attention to that comic books are still, you know, still a popular medium. And I didn't get a chance to pick that up. I was still having money. I wouldn't say I was hurting for money, but I didn't have enough money to, like, buy, go back and buy, like, the graphic novel for Civil War. But Secret Invasion was coming out. So I can drop like a three bucks every like month or so to pick up the newest Secret Invasion. And I wound up collecting all of Secret Invasion. I love the whole twists. It's like, who's a scroll? Who's not a scroll? Who do I trust? Who died in in Civil War and was actually a scroll? Yeah. And who's <laughs> actually dead, dead? Secret. Uh, quick secret. No one's actually dead. Everyone keeps coming back. <laughs> Look at Jean Grey. She's been dead and alive how many fucking times? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, unless you're Uncle Ben, you never die. It, it, the, the whole principle of I live, I die, I live again <laughs> is so applicable in comics. Yeah, It is crazy how accurate that is. A, char- a character being dead in comics is like a wrestler having an injury in WWE. He's like, I need a vacation. It's like, oh, oh, I got an injury. Not saying all injuries are like that, but I'm pretty sure in the, in the history yeah. of WWE, somebody has gone and said, I need a vacation. It's like, okay, we'll just fake you an injury and you can leave for a while. We don't have any story we'll, for you. We'll write you off TV <laughs> this this way. You know what? Let's go into wrestling, man. <laughs> This is, that, that was basically how I pictured when Wolverine died. It's like oh, we don't see I don't we don't see Wolverine going anywhere right now. It's like we'll kill him off spectacularly. It's like okay. All right, we have I, an idea for Wolverine now. All right, we'll bring him back. All right. <laughs> all right. So now into wrestling because that is that is something I I actually forgot to write it down here, but I, wrestling is a pretty big thing for you. Uh, uh, for many a time, your uh, Facebook profile picture is Hulk Hogan, <laughs> the Hulkster. Oz, yeah. There, the story behind that was because I felt that he was done dirty during that whole um, radio stint of his, and that, along with that sex scandal that got broke out about him, I felt, I felt that he was betrayed by WWE when they suddenly go. Oh, you're suddenly not a Hall of Famer anymore. 
you're hit. You're you've just been clean slated off our website. While Jimmy Snuka literally killed a guy, and they did everything in their power to keep make sure he didn't go to jail. Exactly. It's like that's <laughs> fucked. So I didn't go like praise the words of Hogan everywhere, but I felt you know what the least I could do is I'm changing my profile picture that you can't stop the Hulkamania. I mean, like <laughs> there was that point in like. So, well, what was that 2014 2013 yeah where like hulk hogan didn't exist no so it, it was so funny seeing them trying to dance around hulk hogan the man who made your company what it was in the <laughs> 1980s like are you kidding me you're trying to hide that you literally your most iconic moment of hogan slamming andre you you can't not, you can't not show that. <laughs> At this point in time, you have the WWE Network and you're playing old replays of shit. How are you skipping this? How are you skipping like these critical points in WrestleManias that you're replaying? I'm watching Tuesday Night Titans. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, I, I assume you watched uh, uh, a bit of wrestling during the 90s, right? Yes. So, were you... WWE all the way through? Where you did you jump ship when everyone from the '80s started going to WCW, or did you stick with WWE? I didn't really notice. The thing as a kid, I it, it, they blended together. It was whatever was on TV. It's like I remember I remember these wrestlers when they're WWE when they're on Nitro. It was like, oh hey yeah, they're still there. They're still doing their thing. I mean like Hogan's now Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I, but he's still I, Hogan in my eyes. I remember there was a quote. There was a quote when the whole Hulk Hogan scandal, uh, sex tape scandal happened. Uh, I think Pat from Two Best Friends Play, he, he put it best. Yeah, this is a pretty bad look for Hulk Hogan. But you know, well, like about in the context of all of the things he said on there. You know what this fits perfectly though? <laughs> This is so Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> this is the most Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> this fucking evil motherfucker. But um, I probably would have leaned more towards WWE because... Or WWF back in that day. Because as much as I liked Hogan, I was a really big Undertaker fan. Mm-hmm. And that was his prime days where you'd have Paul Bear and he had, he'd just come man. in and he'd take off his hat and he'd do his eye thing. And then eventually you had the Ministry of Darkness and yeah. all that. Then you had the corporate ministry and yeah. all that whole shen- shen- shenanigans. <laughs> so who who is on your personal like wrestling Mount Rushmore? Um, let's see. We've already mentioned two of them. Hogan and Taker would be up there. Uh, I really started liking coming in like late '90s and early 2000s. I that was when I started hopping on the whole luchador train. So then Rey Mysterio became one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So he's up there, and probably the Hardy Boys, like early Hardy Boys. Just put both there up was, there. Yeah, pull both of them because both of them together, like in put add Hardy Boys plus. Any assortment of tables, ladders, and chairs, or high points that you can jump off of, 
and you have a good match right there. I love them before WWE started coddling their wrestlers. Back during the Attitude Era, that that was probably my favorite. Now that they've come back, I still like them, but I can still see like they they're not who they, they used. They to don't be. have the same edge they kind of yeah. used to. Thanks, Edge. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just throw Rock and Stone Cold up there too. Okay, now, yeah. since we're talking about Attitude Era, uh, I was about to ask, uh, like, what what was your favorite like era? And obviously, yeah, Attitude yeah. Era. Yeah, because I like as a kid, I I just ate it up as just it was awesome. Some of it, these characters, it was cool. It was must see TV. Yeah, but when I was a teenager, I was a teenager during Attitude Era, so then that's when I actually started paying more attention to wrestling and started taking a look at it like outside of just the wrestling, but the characters and the story and the build up and everything. After like getting past the holes, like yes, it's fake. I know it. It's choreographed. To be a nice show. But yeah, it's like, take a look at this character. He's drinking beer, smashing them together, drinking shit, and then all of a sudden, he's going to offer one, and they're, nope! Boom! He's going to give a fucking stunner. It's <laughs> conga line, these motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Or that one time he shows up with a freaking tanker, fucking booze, and just blasts like, it was Shane McMahon with it. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Shane, uh, Vince... <laughs> I want to say Kurt was there. I think so. Was Kurt I want to say Kurt was there. That too. I wouldn't. Okay, that, let's talk about Kurt. Like I really like Kurt. He's like an honorable mention for the the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. I really liked his go of it, especially like the whole "you suck" movement. <laughs> that that first moment where he, like he he just hated it, and then just over time he just I, grew to he accept it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then that whole lead up to the shave match, that could like, I can't even picture him with hair anymore. No, yeah, he he kind of looks better bald. He he definitely like when the ruthless aggression era came around, he definitely fit the more bald build. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so what what do you uh, you think of uh, WWE? Uh, a little bit after the Ruthless Aggression, when they entered more or less the PG era, when John Cena was the man, the top gun. What, what did you think of that? I was on that huge train of people who just hated Cena just for the, the sake of hating Cena. It's like, well, who's this punk think he is? Because, we all, because he had the fill-in for The Rock, who just recently left, and everyone was trying to push him to be the new Rock, and we weren't accepting it. So I was, all, I was part of that train. It's like, we're not accepting this. You're no rock. And it, it I didn't like him for a long time. Like, well, I didn't say I hate him, but I was just, I was joining the bandwagon. As long as the majority didn't like him, I didn't like him. So <laughs> what, was there a wrestler that you, like, preferred over Cena during that time? Like a, like a Randy Orton or an Edge or someone? Jericho? I really like Batista. Batista, okay. I love the whole Batista bomb. And then, yeah, probably, like, more Batista than maybe on the side Randy Orton. I had a friend, my friend Derek, who really loved Randy Orton and I, I guess it just brushed off on me a little bit. The whole, like, his whole, like, legend killer era, where he was just taking out taking out legends. And I really loved it. Like, he tried to work his way up to Undertaker and all of a sudden Undertaker's like WrestleMania, Randy Orton. Nope, you're not stopping the streak. Well, like, the uh, there was a, there was always talk about, like, how 
uh, Orton was supposed to be the guy to end the streak. Yeah. To like get like push him over the top. Yeah. Uh, but I guess like Vince backed out of it at uh, the last minute or something. Damn. I would have preferred that over freaking what over happened. Brock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, with wrestling right now, it's probably at its most globally accessible. Uh, where you could watch, like right now, you could look up and watch New Japan. You could watch Lucha Underground or any sort of like CMLL or AAA. You could watch Ring of Honor. Uh,. And with the rise of All Elite Wrestling, just right on the horizon. Uh, and WWE's in a kind of a weird state where they kind of, they have probably the most talented roster they have ever had. And they have no idea what to do with half of them. <laughs> so, what do you think WWE needs to do to survive in this era where... All Elite Wrestling, there's a lot of strong guys, very popular wrestlers, and they have the financial backing to match the the giant. <laughs> so, what do you think WWE needs to do to fix itself, almost? I feel in some regard that at some, in some points in time, there's too many people to focus on. Uh... You mean, of course, there's your your classic belts for whoever have the belt and trying to retain belts and trying to gain belts, and then trying to you know pay attention to all these other like scuffles that are happening and that are not over belts. Like sometimes they just get overshadowed by the belt matches because there's so many people. Like not everybody could be fighting for a belt at one point in time, mm-hmm. and those kids tend to be like the focal point for the most part. There's there's some there have been recent stories that haven't involved belts that were pretty interesting. But I feel that maybe there's some points in time where there's just too many characters to be interested in. Like, I don't watch a lot of wrestling nowadays. I try to keep in touch with my, my family, my uncle and auntie. My auntie, more so than anybody, will come down and talk to me. And it's like, oh, hey, this is happening, this happened. She's really psyched about the whole, like, Shane and Miz thing that's happening right now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of points in time where, like, somebody will mention somebody and go, who? And I'll, I'll think five seconds. Oh, right, yeah, they are wrestling, right? Like some people are get, get get pushed off for a while, and all of a sudden they come back, and it's almost like we're not interested in you anymore. These uh, these guys have been pushed up, and we've kind of forgotten about you because you've been left off to the side for too long. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I think a good example would be like Gallows and Anderson right now. Yeah. Uh, where there was a minute there, like a couple weeks ago, where they came out and they're like, "Oh, we're not gonna, we're we're gonna take what we want and all that," and then we didn't see them. Yeah. For like since since then, <laughs> so it it, it brings a little hollow. And now there's uh, a lot of rumors about a lot of guys leaving uh, soon after WrestleMania. Damn. Uh, I know there's talk about Shinsuke Nakamura going back to Japan or something. Shit. And Dean Ambrose very oddly well publicized how he has not re-signed with WWE and he could be leaving after WrestleMania. Yeah, that's weird. It's a, it's a definitely a different approach they've taken. Yeah. So so obviously the problem 
at least on the main roster, is too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. So, then why is NXT so fucking good? I've mentioned this before. I think we mentioned this on the um, the lead-up to the Royal Rumble. Um, is My main concern with like sports or entertainment in general is... The color, I'll refer to NXT like I do with uh, I'll, I'll the the better way I can round it up is consider it like a college league, so that I can I can use this opinion for not only NXT but for like college sports. I find I almost find those leagues more entertaining than the big league, because they're trying they're they're putting their they're putting a hundred and ten percent to get noticed. They're not in a position where if they get injured. They could they could potentially you know fall in the fall into the limelight because they were out too long. They have to give it their all. They have to not be afraid to get injuries because they need to get noticed. They need to get that push up to the big leagues. So you see fantastic displays of what they have in those leagues. But when they they finally get that contract and they move up, I I, I feel like. Not just WWE, but sports in general, just start coddling them. It's like now we got you. We're paying for you. You you need to follow our rules, and you need to do things, but still you know still give us what give us what we saw, but just don't hurt yourself. Hmm. Okay. I I feel that NXT or college football. I see some amazing, yeah. Go, just briefly going on football, I see some amazing shit in college football that I've never seen in NFL or CFL. And okay. as soon as those guys get signed up as NFL or CFL, it's like you, you don't, I, I don't see it anymore. The same with NXT. Like I see some amazing crowding matches. Like I almost enjoy the NXT pay per views as compared to the WWE ones. Uh, right there with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, do you think a regime change, like, it, let, say, like, a, like, Triple H has been running NXT yeah. since it relaunched as its own developmental brand. Yeah. So, do you think if Vince were to retire, which he would never do, <laughs> or die, which is possible, uh, <laughs> uh, do you think that Triple H can write the ship uh, like I think he's more or less proved it yeah. in NXT because he just understands what wrestling is right now and what works right now yeah. do you think he could do it I think so I, I think he might he, he's been in the game he is the game he is the game <laughs> for years he knows the ins and outs and this NXT has been has been growing I would like to see like them just to adopt into a third show like they're let there be raw and smackdown and all of a sudden somewhere in the middle nxt grows to the, the same capacity as the other two it's more or less been treated as a third brand in a sense yeah uh with them having guys like very experienced well-known talent going through it like a samoa joe like a shinsuke nakamura yeah but also having just straight up homegrown talent like the revival and uh, uh, the Velveteen Dream, like those guys, they're they're like hundred percent WWE guys, and they have be- uh, become like like they're champions within the company. 
Yeah, no, one of my favorite, like, underdog stories is Drew McIntyre. When I first saw him, he was part of the three-man band. He was just a joke. <laughs> him and t- Tinder Ma- Ma- Mahal. And Jinder Mahal, yeah. Yeah, Jinder Mahal. Both of them. They were just jokes, like, Wait, back in, like, he... the early 2000s. Heath Slater. <laughs> um, like, 2000 and... Well, that was like 2011 or something. Yeah, something like yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. And now, like Drew McIntyre is awesome. I like he, Drew McIntyre. He's main now. event worthy. Yeah, he just needs some better writing. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can say that about a lot of people. But there is one storyline right now that, like, I, I was talking about this on on Twitter that WWE manages to fuck up so many. <laughs> So many, so much, but they also managed to stumble onto a white hot feud. Oh God! Being Kofi Kingston right now. Yeah, just him having to go through all this just for a shot. Like this is very reminiscent of Daniel Bryan. The the yeah. role oh, is somewhat yeah, reversed. It, have, did you watch the uh, there? There's like the four minute video showing uh, of. Kofi talking to Vince McMahon. No, I have uh, not seen that yet. Yeah, I, I. You should definitely watch it after this. And Kofi gives the promo of his life. Holy it shit. is, and like New Day are completely invigorated. They they like. I, I was thinking the gimmick was getting a little little stale up until now, <laughs> where they have like completely reinvented this whole mantra, and like they are. Our goal is to get Kofi Kingston to be the champion. Oh, that'd be That's great. the goal, and I think, like somehow, and he was a last-minute addition to that gauntlet match. Yeah, and suddenly he's become the hottest storyline. So, do you, uh, well, I'll ask this question again later on when we uh, eventually do record the pre-WrestleMania WrestleCast. Yeah. Uh, but do you think Kofi can do it? I think so. He's been amazing. I've loved Kofi since day one. I I wouldn't put him up in Rushmore yet, but he he's he's alongside it. He's one of now. your boys. Yeah, he's in that roster. He's I, I I've got somebody ready to put his his face on the mountain. I've got the carver picked out. <laughs> Just waiting for that day. He's he's on the bill. But oh, actually, on that note. I'm sorry, I forgot about him, but Daniel Bryant. I was the biggest Daniel Bryant pre, uh, pre his injury. That you remind me with the, uh, that elimination chamber he was in. That was when I just instantly loved him. He just gave his all in that elimination chamber match. I was part of the Yes movement. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, here's a here's a fun question I like to ask anyone who's into wrestling. Uh, who's in your boys' stable? Your your boys, as in like. Lower card guys. Sometimes they they may get up in the card a little bit, but these are these. I'm talking like the Val Venuses, the the Road Dogs, like just low card guys who some of them are even just bad wrestlers. But you know what? You fucking love them every time they're on the screen. You're like, yeah, that's my boy. So who's in your boy's stable? I gotta go very cliche. I love. The very like, um, what's the word? 
always find I always fail to find the right words to convey what I'm trying to explain. Um, I would, I'd almost I'd almost say that they're one trick ponies. They're 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 wrestling because they have a gimmick. Um, examples being the so, boogeyman. So, I yeah. love the boogeyman because he, that was his whole gimmick. He's like, I'm gross. I'm gonna I'm freak you out. I'm gonna get ya. That clock of his and the worms and shit. Every time he was in a match, it's like I love it. Um, I wouldn't say he's undercard anymore because he's really good right now. Um, you got me on him because I didn't even know about him until you showed me some of his pay per view uh, uh, intros with his whole beast. Uh, what's his name? Oh no, I can't remember. Finn Balor. Finn Balor. I'm, well, I, I he's really all, he's all he's been a world champion, so he yeah. technically doesn't qualify. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm saying. a boy. No, he doesn't. Cut, not anymore. <laughs> um. Oh, who else? They can win titles, just not world titles. Yeah. But there are boys who are world champions, but requalify yeah. as boys, <laughs> like Christian and uh, and uh, Jinder Mahal. Technically, yeah. counts as a boy, even though he he's won the the fucking WWE <laughs> championship. I can't remember if he ever got a title. I don't think he did. But he, for those who might remember this guy. The Hurricane. Hurricane Helms. <laughs> I loved him. Um, who else? Um, ooh, who was it? Oh, I really liked him. W- he was hilarious. 90s WWE was full of these guys. <laughs> I talked about this before, but like uh, WWE and WCW were two very different companies with their rosters. Where <laughs> WWE... Actually, no. With WCW... The top of the card was a complete fucking mess of, like, just too much shit going on. Too, too many guys with too many vague vo- voices. Yeah. With too much creative control. But you look <laughs> at that mid-card? You look at, the, the like, the, 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 uh, the Chris Jericho's. The, they had Rey Mysterio. They had uh, Benoit and Dean Malenko, and just their mid card was crazy. Yeah. Especially the cruiserweight division. While you look at WWE at the same time, and their mid card was garbage wrestlers, <laughs> just absolute fucking terrible. And then the top of the card, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H. Kurt Angle, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, oh. Mick Foley, like no chance. That's an am- every and also Vince McMahon. No chance in hell. No chance in hell. <laughs> like, like that's that carries the fucking company. Yeah, that moves merch. <laughs> um. Oh, there was one other I wanted to mention. Um. Oh, like any gimmicky tag team that shows up for a little bit. Um, those two Scots, they came in like with like kilts and everything. Oh, the uh, they're more recent. The... <sighs> Wasn't one of them named Mosh? I think. Like the uh, the headbangers. S- yeah, I've only seen them in one match. I, I would. I don't want to see them go high card, but I would like to see more of them. Like they, they seem like they, 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 yeah. they seem like a tag team that doesn't need like a lot of spotlight. They just need to be around. Like, oh hey, friggin', we don't know what to do with the tag team champions right now. Just throw these guys against them. They don't even need your story or anything. Their 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 appearance basically does everything for them. 
I just remembered. My favorite term to refer to Fit Finley is just funly. Him like William Regal are great. Yeah. Uh, let's finish off some of these questions. How about uh, we started us off talking about Anime Club. Let's talk about anime a little bit. So, what got you into anime? Oh, well, that's two questions. Like, um, there's the anime that I watched willingly knowing it was anime and that got me to start anime, which would have been Naruto. That was the one. Again, just like Pokemon, I just happened to fall into that age demographic that just was primed to get jacked for that. Like that and Bleach. That too. Uh... It, at that moment, I got, like, not so much One Piece. Like, I knew it was there. I was like, that's a cool concept. Kind of cool. Too bad four I'm, kids kind of fucked that thing up, Dad. <laughs> oh. oh. Those poisonous suction cups and oh. smoking lollipop sticks. Fuck. He's just licking them really fast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally jumped into Norado for a long time. And then I had friends who warned me, it's like, watch up until like the sasuke leaving arc then just stop watching narado because don't watch after, after that, that, is that filler everything everything even, like the manga stops after that and yeah, then it goes just, to the second part but the anime had to the studio parrot had to keep making yeah, shit this, for this years shit is, this shit is big we can't stop we we have to keep going <laughs> And in all that filler, they still didn't give anything to Ten Ten. Nope. <laughs> that's, nope. that's still my biggest gripe. Like after watching all of this, same. Like, why couldn't you at least give her like a filler episode she or something? So, she, she, she was in like she... maybe a filler arc or two. Like, my thing is, I make scrolls that have weapons. She's, I'm gonna she's a weapon master. You. She's cool. <laughs> they fucking did her wrong. Yeah. You know, there's there's a point in that fucking story in part two near the end where she has two of the most powerful sealing weapons in the entire fucking world. Oh, right, She yeah. had the potential to end the war. Oh, my God. But then, no, they didn't yep, they do didn't it. Have, they didn't, didn't, they didn't take that angle. do it. <laughs> God damn it. Fucking Christ. But um, the second part of that is all the anime that I watched that I didn't know was anime at the know. time. But the first anime I watched, I, I try to think back, but I think the first thing I watched as a kid, I thought it was a cartoon at the time, was Samurai Pizza Cats. I remember watching that like weekday mornings, like a YTV, like at like six in the morning before I go to school on the days that I happen to wake up that early. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, was, of course I watched things like Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, but all all of those ones I just watched like oh they're just cartoons, then just a different animation different style, style. yeah, different style cartoon. But yeah, it wasn't until Naruto, like, oh yeah, this is an anime. Was I, Jap- I should get more into anime. This is one of those Japanese animes. <laughs> but yeah, and then equally, I was equally watching Bleach as I was Naruto. I was really big into Bleach, and that was one of the first cosplays I did. One of the first ones I bought, is I bought a Bleach cosplay. So, uh, which, which series had the better opening? Because that's always a good question. Ooh. Some of those Naruto openings are fucking amazing. But... See, it, it, the first thing my mind goes to is the more iconic Naruto ones because they, they just last in my head like fighting dreamers. 
and um, I can't remember the name of all of them, but there was a, so many of the early ones. Not discrediting Bleach though, like there that was, first Bleach, Bleach opening like, Asterisk yeah. is so fucking good. Yeah, I love that opening to death. <laughs> and then there was one during like the Bount arc. Was it the Bount arc? No, was it? No, that was the Bounts were the filler arc. Um, what's the name of the people that fought the Yuko uh, Mundo arc? There was like one or two good openings from there that I really like. Uh, yeah, uh, favorite series. I'd still have to say it's Elfenlied. The story had me. Mm, and it was one of the first mm. one that had me bawling at the ending. It was a very, very, Not like... Clan ad? <laughs> I still haven't seen that yet. Oh my god, man. You need to watch <laughs> Clan ad at some point. But, no, I really loved it. I love the the undertones about basically the series kind of just coming to terms with it was more or less like tackling like in a way racism and stuff because they're treating the the race of the main character as like a threat. It was something they didn't understand, so they wanted to capture it and take control of it and keep it under control and stuff like that. And they, they just had a bunch of undertones that I, I I caught on. And the love story between the two the two characters and the ending just gripped me pretty hard. Okay. And also another series I have to defend because of course like right off the right off the hop the first episode, you see a naked chick with like Barbie Barbie nudity, with like going around a freaking secu- like a military base ripping people's heads off and shit. Yeah, it kind of sets a certain tone. So I constantly have to say it's like. After the first episode, that's not why I like it. There's a story. Are you sure? <laughs> and also, a dog dies. I'm warning that, you. Yeah, no, that that's where I dropped that series. I was like, no, that no, that's too rough. I can't do this. <laughs> and it was one of the first series that that got like it was a it wasn't even the biggest twist, but like this the main theme for the anime had a had a had a place in the story itself. Mm. As soon as I saw the little music box and it played the the opening music, I like, oh, the opening music. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I really liked that. And then as I got into anime, sidetrack, but moving on to like my favorite like genre anime is tied to another story. When I started, I watched an anime because I was choosing my first cosplay for the first time. I watched Death Note, and then I, I grew to realize I really love anime like that stuff. That's thriller, thriller. Horror. Yeah, it gets you thinking. You you you, you don't know what's going to happen next. It, it's the anime is making you try to derive what's happening. You would really like the Promised Neverland, then. Yeah, you oh, would. I've heard re- that one, yeah. You it's it's airing right now, uh, and it's it's one of those series. It, it's like. Uh, you you know the you know the buzz that Attack on Titan had, yeah. Uh, where it was just everyone wants to know what the the things that we don't know that like these characters they they're like three steps ahead of us and we're trying to catch up. Uh, and just the just all these different themes and plot lines and just really engaging. Yeah. Uh. That's what Promise Neverland's got. It's oh, that yeah. 
just it it just grabs you and you just want to you want to know can can our the characters get through this whole situation yeah. is is can they win basically yeah that, you no, you would really like it yeah it also did it also did determined what i like a lot of detective and political stuff too that's why i really like gundam like one part, big big Mac suits. Big. Like who who doesn't like big Macs? <laughs> it's it's that famous image of like the the Gundam like firing over someone's head, and like it's like war is bad basically. Yeah, and it's just the dude looking at just looking at the gun like whoa, cool Mac. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I love the whole political aspect behind Gundam. That's that's one of the more uh, more prominent aspects I like. That that's why I really like Lelouch. It's like big mechs, but we're dealing with like political uprising and like people trying to fight the government mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or like Death Note was more like police. Like I do like stuff that's more kind of, that's also rooted more in reality too. Yeah, that's why that was one of the other aspects from Death Note. I like like if I don't like like if I if I got rid of Alpha and Light, like I think number two would be Death Note is one of my favorite. Oh no! I can't forget Air Gear. I think there's a tie between Air Gear. And... Air Gear is weird because it's a really goofy concept that gets really serious. Yeah, like, I really like. Like, I started out by reading the, the manga first. I read the manga first and I collected it. Then I watched the anime. Like people fucking dying Air Gear, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when, like in some of like the 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 extra spaces between chapters, they literally have like blueprints, like the. The designer, like the author and writer of this manga, really thought out the design. Like, if this could really work in real life, here are the schematics of these air gears, these motorized roller blades. Here's how they could potentially work. It's like, oh. and it was an anime that literally convinced me. Like a couple months after reading, telling my mom, "I want roller blades for birth, my birthday." <laughs> I want to make a team. I want to get a lo- I want to get a. I want to get a sticker for our team, and we're gonna stick it all over Regina. It's gonna be our team. Yeah. And we're gonna be put it. We're gonna to try to put them in spots where you have to actually get like do a stunt. They actually get the sticker up. Yeah. There. And then I tried rollerblading, and then I fell and I hurt myself. It's like uh... I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else wanted to join me. Damn it! <laughs> They're all a bunch of fucking squares. You were head of the game. Yeah. Also, Air Gear was another one of those animes where I had to tell people, I don't like it for the fan service because the anime was so fan service-y. It was a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh... But the music was so good. It was. It had some damn good music. Going back to the video games, I love... I love some some of the anime I love just for the aspect of the music. Like going to another... One of a lot of people's fan favorites, Cowboy Bebop. One of the major reasons I like that is because of the music choice. It fit the anime to a T. And, it, and that, that author's other work, Samurai Champloo, again, worked mm-hmm. perfectly. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. are animes I love because of the music selection. It just worked. Hey, we're, we're going to have this. We're going to have the same. It's going to be Samurai, but with hip hop. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's begin to wrap this thing up. Yeah. So, Duncan, what is your favorite moment between us? Oh, that's, 
the one we brought up with anime thought is up there <laughs> it is pretty pretty up there um ooh. The, probably that new year's that new year's party we had where you coined the beast <laughs> it stuck like it's it's a nickname that i'm not going to forget and i'm going to be going by for a long time now and it was just perfect it's just out of nowhere it's just, it at first nobody knew I, I actually i don't think you revealed it until the end after the votes were done well it it, <laughs> it, it, it was great because we were playing bracketeering and it was on the one where uh where it changes oh, yeah, yeah. the context changes every time <laughs> i think the, fir- the first one was something about like a, some someone you don't want your kids near <laughs> yeah. something like that and it's like <laughs> duncan the beast <laughs> and then the second one was like an animal you don't want in your front yard <laughs> duncan the <laughs> beast <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, it just killed everyone. I was, I, I was a little worried. He's like, "Oh man, that I hope this doesn't come across as mean." Yeah. Well, I'm glad you instead embraced it and became <laughs> the beast. I think it was toe and toe with how I just dealt with like bullying for years. Is I just adopted the insult and stuff, and I, I became very entwined with self-deprecating humor where it's i know i'm joking about myself but if people are going to joke about me i'm going to beat them to the punch i'm going to adopt and embrace it and it's like what are you going to do you've lost the fun you can't win it's the uh eight mile m&m uh i just used all your material against me what do you got exactly (laughs) but i know something about you But like, I guess I gotta check any one experience up to number one. There's been a lot of good times. There's um, we uh, the time we did that 4K uh, fun fest, and you and and you and Adam, no Andy, just dived head first in that mud pit. <laughs> I'm behind you guys, like holy shit! And you just got. I I embraced the shit out of it. Just, just like, hey man, if I'm gonna get dirty, I'm gonna get fucking dirty. <laughs> uh. I I like to look back. At the uh, when we were just at a McDonald's till like four a.m. Oh, just yeah. hanging out. That was some good shit. That was a fun time. Uh, you've helped me create a title for a show that I hope to get on the road this year. I'm, I'm like all royalties to you. <laughs> I give you full copyright of the name Duncan the Beast and just everything. It's it's all you, man. You embrace <laughs> the fuck out of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, finally, uh, what are your plans for the future? Where, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> five years? Uh, hopefully I have my shit together. <laughs> I think that's, that's the answer. Everybody's like, man, I just hope I'm hope we're fucking doing better. Right now, over the past year, um, what has it been now? Yeah, it's been a well over a year now that I've been single, and ever since then, I've just been trying to figure out what I'm doing. I essentially, what I've metaphorically been doing is I've just taken a, a handful of darts and I just throw it on the dartboard and see what sticks. And that's essentially what I'm doing right now. I've re-embraced with friends that I've been neglecting for a while. I've adopted myself into multiple groups. Oh, I gotta 
finish reading a book. I need to. I haven't even started. <laughs> um, trying different shows on this podcast. I, I feel that this podcast is giving me an opportunity to be a little bit more imaginative and creative. Like I said before, there's a show that I hope to get off the ground this year. That's why I'm trying to schedule to go as many conventions as I can this year. So be sure you're going to see me at Icon. If anyone, any of our listeners are listening to this in particular, I'll probably bring it up in, in other Super Fun Networks whenever the date comes soon. But I'll be at Icon for sure. Pretty sure I'm going to be at Animathon in Edmonton. Our local show is Anifest, August 24th. And the other one are the Fanex Sask Expo, Regina, or is it calling it Regina Expo? I can't remember, but it's going to be here in May. I can't remember the exact dates, but I'm going to be there. Uh, May fourth and fifth. Ah, uh, there we go. Um, going to try for Odafest. Don't know for sure. And my friends peer pressuring me to go to Toronto Fan Expo, but I don't know if that's one's going to be a. That's that's a, a bit hard. Yeah. But no, there is a show that I plan that's going to be centered around conventions. Uh, there's no point in trying to keep a secret. I think I mentioned it before in a previous yes. episode. But it's called Beast on the Beat. You will hopefully see it hop on our YouTube page. <laughs> I will Get hopefully... that thing back going. Yep. I want to start up. A, uh, I want to help you start up a let's play that you've been planning on uh, getting up off the ground. Um. And there's a podcast I'm tossing around an idea of. I mentioned it before. Probably centered around creepy passes. I think Bum would love to do one as yeah. well. See, he, he went hard on creepy passes back in high school. <laughs> Even probably still now. Kind of kind of take a page out of SCP for a little bit. Kind of just do a... Not so much like a... A, contained, a con- contagion kind of scenario. But more of like... A persona where like... I adopt a persona where I'm like oh. this bookkeeper who watches over a library of us of these creatures that are out there. Almost like a Twilight Zone kind yeah. of kind of deal. Almost like crypt the uh, uh, Tales from the Tales crypt. from the Crypt kind of thing. Where I just like every podcast I just open up the book to a, this creature. Like for example, it's like here I'm opening up the book to Slenderman. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, I think that pretty much does it. Uh, thank you very much for coming on here, Duncan. Uh, if you want to just plug your shit, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Cloudhead Duncan at um, Twitter. Uh, you can pretty much use that for any major game, and you'll find me. I believe I was able to get Cloudhead Duncan on uh, Origin, so I'm playing a lot of Apex Legends, and I have no friends on there yet. I. Should probably add you then. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. You're playing now. I can probably yeah, I'm add also you. playing. Um, you can find me at Cloudhead Duncan on League Legends. You can now find me at. Ooh, I'll double check if I use Cloudhead Duncan for place my PlayStation. I think I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. If you search it and you see a icon of Crash Bandicoot, that is me. <laughs> um, I do not have an Instagram. I do not have a Snapchat. No need. <laughs> Somebody's peer pressure. A friend is trying to peer pressure me into an Instagram. So who knows? Maybe there will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that does it. Thank you very much for coming on, man. Thanks. <laughs>